at Sif Pop. We're your movie friends. But are friends really friends? If you don't know them. So grab a popcorn. And head over to our row. So we can chat movies. Like friends do. There's always room. For more movie friends. So sit back. Relax. And enjoy the show. Welcome. 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 To the writer's room. Hello and welcome to Civ Pop Writers Room. I'm your host, Aaron, but not that Aaron, of course. And this week, I'm joined by Civ Pop Writers Heath. Hello. As well as Austin. Hello, hello. Heath and Austin are some of our uh, contributors for CivPop.com. We do movie reviews, best ever challenges, and other interesting movie-related articles, uh, such as Heath's monthly Oscars What If article. Um, and that is, like, slowly coming to, like, real time. I, don't, yep. I guess, like, you're in the 90s, and, like, the 90s still kind of feels recent, but, like, that's still 20 years. Like, <laughs> Well, I think it's still, it's feeling more recent, because I am now at the point where I am writing about years that most of our writers and readers are alive. Mm-hmm. So it just feels more contemporary versus when I was writing about, like, the 70s. You know, that's just, it's not the same energy. So, um, uh, yeah, I, I'm writing up uh, the... Oscars for 19 or the movies of 94 for the Oscars of 95 right now. That'll go live next week. And yeah, just keep plugging along at it. It's, it's Nin- fun. 1994 is my favorite year in cinema history. So um, I'm really was, excited. To it's read been that a one. damn fun year to research. I've been really enjoying rewatching a lot of these classic films. It's just like, I mean, obviously like it's Shawshank and it's Pulp Fiction and yep. it's like, the Mask and Dumb and Dumber and Ace Ventura Pet Detective. Yeah, that was Jim Carrey's coming out party for sure. Uh huh. It's it's and just I one of those. I usually go by, I at least for me personally, when I rank things and look at things, I go by the uh, wide release of the year, the yeah. when, when it hit wide release in my country because that's the soonest I could have seen it. So mm-hmm. this also includes movies that most people would consider ninety three movies that I consider 94 movies. Oh. But so like, I also get Schindler's list in this year. I have okay. Philadelphia. I have the piano. Now oh, I'm not doing that for the Oscars article. I use the Oscars eligibility calendar. Sure. For the Oscars article, but for like my personal ranking list, like this year is stacked. <laughs> no. Yeah. That even makes it more stacked, but like, you know, yeah. like, all right. So Shawshank, the, the mask, New Nightmare, which we'll talk about later. The Crow, Ed Wood, Forrest Gump, True Lies, Leon the Professional, Maverick, Natural Born Killers. Clerks, The Hudsucker Proxy, Was Eating Gilbert Grape, Little Women. Angels in the Outfield. Reality Bites. Little Big League. Clear and Present Danger. Forrest Gump. I mean, Uh Interview with the Vampire. There's a lot. Leon the Professional, which I'm not a fan of, but I know a lot of people love it. Like, There's a lot of big movies from this year. Yeah. Um, Baby's Day Out yeah getting classic. even with dad yeah check <laughs> movies that i'm sure are terrible but were absolutely part of my childhood anyway um man i haven't thought about getting even with dad in years anyway um austin's also a big contributor for the site um and uh austin I, i'm sorry i'm blanking what's the like this will be so dated by the time this episode even comes out it'll be like two weeks but you did the pet cemetery recently yes right, here we go I talk more about it later below, but yes, I I did watch that movie. Cool. Well, then we'll get into it later, but uh, either way, uh, make sure to check out sifpop.com to see all the things that these guys are writing. And uh, let's talk about the podcast for a little bit. We're going to do a quick game of wavelengths. I have one random question for you guys. Um, 
we will uh, get a chance to talk about all of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Essentially, any movie where Freddy is coming for you. Uh, we are going to be talking about, and our and our B plot this week is we are going to have to come up with a definitive Sip Pop Writers Room ranking of these films. Um, and I know that tears will be shed, and it's fine. Um, get your tissues ready. But uh, first, let's get a chance. Let's play Wavelengths. This will be fun. Um, we're com- we've come prepared. Um, Austin. Why don't you decide who goes first? Who guesses first? Let's go with Heath. Heath. Okay. Heath, Austin, and I have selected a number for you. Mm -hmm. I have animation, action, horror, sci-fi, and comedy. Um, Pick the first genre you would like for us to reveal our ratings for you to guess. I would like the number, please. You don't get the number until the end. You tried that last time. It didn't work last time. I know. I'm going to keep trying. One day someone will slip up. Yeah, it might. All right, Number let's go with 17. animation. Um, I have Shrek the Third. I have Finding Dory. Action. The first Fast and Furious. And I have uh, the first the as in the as in Fast and the, the Furious. The Fast and the Furious. Yes. Okay. What did you say, Austin? I'm sorry. Uh, I had the Dark Knight Rises. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Horror. Scream Three. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Four. Spoilers. <laughs> Sci-fi. Avatar. Solo. The the first James Cameron film, not yeah. the M. Night Shyamalan. Yep. For yep, clarity. Yep. Austin? I said Solo. A Star Wars. Solo? Yeah. Gotcha. Han Solo's movie. Solo, a Star Wars story. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then give me comedy. Yesterday, kind of half a comedy, but it counts. Okay. Existential comedy, sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, liar, liar. Oh, man. Well, I have some gripes to pick with some of you guys because mm-hmm. some of you are rating these movies too damn low. Mm-hmm. But going off the consensus of how some of these movies are understood to be viewed by most people and how I know some of your personal views are, I'm going to assume this is a lower number, which again, some of these movies should not be this low. But I'm going to say four. Four it's out of ten. Pretty close. We picked a five out of ten. Five out of ten. All right. Mm-hmm. Liar, liar should not be that low, Austin. Come on, <laughs> I, that movie's a classic. It probably is higher. I just forgot comedy, and I just guessed the first one that came to my mind at the time. So I'm sorry. It probably I is think higher. You're on my list, but I literally just watched a video of it on TikTok early tonight, and I, I forgot to do comedy. I think it's also like I grew up with that movie. Like I, th- I think if you watched it for the first time today as an adult, I don't. Maybe a five is right, but you know, uh, th- this movie holds up incredibly well. Does it? I-, I genuinely think it is one of Jim Carrey's best comedies. Nice. It's certainly one of his best performances. Anyway, very close. Within one, you know, within one is still good. I'll take so. that. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. Um. Keith, you went first. Do you want Austin or I to go next? Uh. Let's go with Austin. We'll save you for last. Okay. That's fine. Austin, um, same thing. Heath and I picked a number for you. Animation, action, horror, sci-fi, comedy. What do you want first? Uh, horror. I have the early 2000s classic, Stay Alive. You're next. All right, sci-fi. Um, the Sandra Bullock thriller, Premonition. Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2. Uh, action. The Red Dawn remake. Captain Marvel. I was actually going to try to go all MCU films if I could, but mm. I couldn't make it work. <laughs> mm. uh, That'd have been fun. Which one did I go? Uh, sci-fi. You have a comedy. You already did uh, sci-fi. We already did sci-fi. sci-fi. We have comedy yep. and animation, comedy and and animation com- left. Uh, animation. Let's see. The Lego Ninjago movie. 
Okay, that's gonna throw. Despicable me three. Yeah, that's spot on. Uh, and said comedy laugh. Mm-hmm. Okay, what's coming? Cedar Rapids. Without a paddle. Oh man, that movie's nostalgia for. It's been probably fifteen years. That hits me right in the middle school. <laughs> See, I was gonna guess high. I how much younger you were. <laughs> but now I want to guess low because you have Ninjago on there. I love Without a Paddle. Yeah, Without a Paddle is one of my favorite Matthew Lillard movies outside of Scream and, and Scooby Doo. Of course, outside of Scream and Scooby Doo, yeah. SLC Punk is the best Matthew Lillard movie. That has been on my watch list for like three and a half years. And she's all that. <laughs> I guess three? I just, it's really three out of close. 10, is that the guess? Yeah, mm-hmm. three. We picked four. One off again. Yep. So that's not bad, though. No. Lego Ninjago's totally fine. It's just, it's it's the worst of the Lego movies, but it's yeah, fine. I love Without a Paddle. I don't think it's a good movie, though. Yeah, <laughs> so. no, that's totally fair. That's 100% <laughs> the right reaction to that movie. Yeah. Um, oh, man, I need to watch that again. I just, I've watched it so many times. I've yeah. watched it a million times in middle school, and then it's been a while. So I guess I'm due for a rewatch. Um, but later, because now it's time for me to guess. Um, let's start with sci-fi. Lightyear. Oh boy. Uh, Terminator 3. Man, T3 is so underrated. I don't know if you're with me on that or not, though. Um, let's do horror. Dawn of the Dead, Zack Snyder's version. Uh, The Forever Purge. All right, let's go animation. Space Jam. Oh uh, Toy Story 4. Guys, I don't even have any frame of reference. That's the goal. I know. Well, like, all right, I think Terminator 3 is super underrated. Because it is. But there's no way that you have Lightyear above a 7, right? And I love Dawn you of the Dead know. 2004. I could. And I think Forever Purge might just tickle Austin in all the right ways. But You know you still have two categories. I know, but from. like... <laughs> and look, like Space Jam is kind of that without a paddle, right? It's a terrible movie, but you can enjoy it. But it's Space terrible. Space Jam is not a terrible movie. Oh, come on. The blending of animation and live action alone doesn't make it a terrible movie. I really Just thought animation would give me a better hand. idea, but like Toy Story 4 is, it's, it's great, but it's not, it's the worst of the four. Um, always has been, always will be. All right. Guess your other categories. Let's go comedy. Cocaine bear. Oh boy. Uh, mall rat. Oh, I love it. All right. Uh, and let's do action. Surf ninjas. Oh boy. Uh, Hobbs and Shaw. Heath is vomiting in his mouth of us even mentioning that na- that movie. <laughs> he said Hobson Shaw. I didn't. You know my. I know, that's what I'm saying. Either but... way, the fact that that movie was brought up made you made you throw up in your mouth. I'm sure. But Austin I have no... can feel very different about it than me. He's the one that mentioned it, not me. I I mentioned Surf Ninjas, which is freaking awesome. <laughs> Guys, I'm gonna be totally honest. I've never been more thrown for a loop here. Um, so congratulations. I think he, I think Heath is going for that strategy of without a paddle where it's bad movies that he likes, but they still fall in bad. Mm. I'm I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with six. Six feels right. Final answer? Yeah. Five. One off. We were all one off. All one off tonight. <sighs> That's fair. I mean, I'm I'm gonna disagree with that Toy Story four one, but like, and I'm gonna disagree with that Dawn of the Dead one, but the rest, oh, I really like Mallrats too. Anyway, okay, <laughs> well, congratulations. That was the most thrown I've been, but also congratulations to me for still being within one. We all did well, so yes, that's what's important. 
Um, okay, so some hurt feelings already. Some going to be coming up soon when we talk about Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, but real quick, I want, I have a random question for you guys. I thought this would be fitting. Um, I was listening to another podcast that I listened to earlier today, uh, the Streaming Thing po- Streaming Things podcast, and they were playing a game where they were doing a horror villain draft or like killer draft it's like a movie killer draft so it doesn't specifically have to be horror it should be in the horror ish category and they had a category i gotta know your guys's answers to um because the category was the most effable (laughs) out of horror villains horror villains killers yeah you know your hannibal lecters and your invisible mans and your entity from uh hereditary and your pazuzu and your vecna from stranger things yeah this is not appealing (laughs) i'll I'll tell you while you're while you're thinking of an answer um the answers that were given on the podcast the first one given and i think it's probably the best answer is rose the hat from dr sleep yeah that's it right there that's a great pick um the other two said uh, emoteb from the mummy and (laughs) the creature from the black lagoon i mean the answer is to try to find people that are as human as possible ideally completely human the problem is a lot of horror villains aren't human or have lost some element of humanity and Mm. are mutated or disgusting or disturbing but there's like also a lot of like random generic person in the purge that's just wearing a purge mask but is still like a normal human being underneath the mask so you know something like that or like the you know like the bad guys in your next same same concept you're they're just wearing a mask but they're humans uh i would definitely say rose the hat though uh that takes the cake i i don't think i mean rebecca ferguson right <laughs> that's right. an easy w for me so uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go with that. <laughs> is yeah, it's kind of a horror movie. Is Alicia Vikander a villain in Ex Machina? She's by the I end. Don't know she if she's is. a villain. I think she's morally gray. Yeah, I'm looking at my just favorites of all time list right now. I'm trying to think of a. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to do right now. Like trying to find something out of the box because because Heath, you said the idea is to find the most human. Because I like, can't, for me, go for any of the killers. Dive into a really specific even fetish. in Scream. There's a lot of attractive people that have been ghostface, you know. True. So, but so that's probably they're the all option. in high school. So, I want to say all, a lot of a lot of those stories take not in Scream too. They're in college. School. Actually, very uh, few yeah. of them take place in high school. Uh, yeah, I think it's just the first one that are high schoolers. Uh, maybe Scream Scream Five too. But anyway, um, Scream One, Four, and Five are in high school. The rest are college or like adults. Hmm. Let's go with uh, I'm gonna go with the parasite from Under the Skin because that's just Scarlett Johansson, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's my final answer. Well, I guess it's not. You know, she takes the form of Scarlett Johansson. Whatever, she's Scarlett Johansson, you know. I'm sticking with Rose the Hat. I think that's, that's an easy, easy one. Yeah. I don't have to think about it. That's an easy W. It, y'all may call me insane, but uh, Pearl from Pearl. Me oh, sure. Yeah, that's a great pick. Sure. Yeah, I like me. Yeah, yeah, me too. For sure, she's great. Anyway, I just thought that was a really fun question, and I was like, you know, it allows you to be stupid with it and say Emotab, and it allows you to, to give a really outside-the-box answer. And you know what? I think we solved this question. So, let's move on. Um, we are not talking about the coming attractions until the end of the SAG After Strike, uh, until all of until all of Hollywood, Hollywood is off-strike, which, um, you know, now it sounds like ILM might be going, or the visual people are, are they on strike right now? Or were they just uh, talking? No, they about voted to authorize a strike, but I don't okay. think a strike has actually happened yet. But I could be mistaken. 
was I, did, I mean, and, and by the time this episode comes out, you know, we're recording on the 17th, so like two weeks early, like it could have happened. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and you know what? I'm totally in favor because yep. I'm tired of movies with bad effects. Um, anyway, and it's not to, I'm not blaming them. I'm just blaming the timelines. And no, the, the studio is the problem. Yeah. Um, anyway, so we're skipping the coming attractions. That's why we're playing Wavelengths here for the first little bit. But first, you got a chance to hear a little bit of uh, opinions uh, on movie and effable horror villains um, from Heath and Austin. If you want to hear more of their uh, <laughs> opinions and thoughts, where can they find them? Austin, let's start with you. Um, Green Arrow 07 on pretty much everything. I think, uh, except for on Blue Sky, I think I'm uh, Green Arrow 4587. Nice. Heath, what about you? You can find me on Letterboxd at the One Heath Bar or search Heath Lynch uh, to see all my hot or incredibly cold movie takes. Um, But Mm -hmm. also, uh, I have a podcast called Franchise Paradiso with a couple of friends of mine that uh, we get to talk about uh, film franchises and things that we love about them. And we make fun top ten lists about a variety of different topics. Uh, Right now, we're doing a lot of episodes based on horror, but we do other stuff as well. that sounds interesting, yeah. Look up uh, Franchise Paradiso. Um, and a quick reminder, patreon.com slash if you're interested in early release episodes or some other tiers, that's all there. Early release episodes um, are publicly released on Patreon. Um, so check it out and uh, enjoy all this content early. Um, this one will probably be significantly early. It'll go public on Halloween Day, but um, probably a couple days early for people that have the patreon thing so if you're listening early and there's that you can expect this most weeks at least a couple of days early anyway let's get into the sift topic uh we're talking about the nightmare on elm street franchise um i believe that um it was one of it was just one of heath's picks uh because of reasons that he'll explain in a second um and then austin selected new nightmare and i thought you know what last year i did a halloween binge you know what i think this is i think i'd like to just get a franchise binge done either every schedule or like once a year you know like like i was mentioning to me like i kind of want to do a child's play binge right now or like i I haven't seen any friday the 13th movies so like those will probably be coming up soon but real quick i want to know what is your guys's history with the nightmare on elm street franchise uh heath why don't you kick us off yeah so i was a late bloomer to horror um (laughs) It was not a genre that I enjoyed uh, until, I would say, five, seven years ago I started getting into it. And I quickly fell in love with A Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, the original film. Uh, I've loved that immensely. I think it's one of the few unique times in the horror genre where we get a perfect blending of slasher and supernatural, which does not happen often. Usually horror movies are one or the other. They are practical, set-in-reality slashers, or they are supernatural horrors with elements that are not possible in the real world. And uh, this effectively does both. And I think that's fascinating. Um, And it's just such a unique concept. I've since went on to uh, go through the entire franchise. I've watched almost every movie in this franchise multiple times, except for one, which I hate, which we'll get to. Um, But uh, yeah, no, I love this. I, I don't, think it's categorically the best horror franchise ever made i think there are better ones than this but this is probably my personal favorite horror franchise that i just enjoy watching austin uh, a little bit of your history with this franchise uh 
I've probably mentioned this before. I fell in love with horror short, shortly after The Ring came out. We watched it together, me and my family. And on a trip shortly after Freddy vs. Jason came out, I was talking to my parents about it, and they suggested me watch the Nightmare series. So we ended up buying it at like a Sam Goody on the way on the trip. And while we were taking the 16-hour drive to Texas, I watched all seven of these movies and immensely fell in love with the series and have pretty much uh, rewatched them every year, every two years, give or take, just depending on how busy I am. And cool. like Heath, all uh, eight except for one. So Cool. Um, I am a... So I my first exposure to Freddy or Jason was watching Freddy versus Jason in high school with the podcast that I ran then um, because one of my friends picked it the way it was is just it was three of us and one of us would just pick a movie for us all to watch and talk about um, and somebody picked Freddy versus Jason and I recall having a good campy time with it and so uh, when Nightmare on Elm Street the remake came out um, I checked that out and thought it was fine. And um, didn't really go back to the originals, uh, but I kind of since have been wanting to, especially because I maybe like two or three years ago watched the remake again. And I was like, oh, that's actually really bad. And then um, watched the original uh, or, or then wanted to watch the originals instead and um, eventually got to doing that and watching uh, all films, including rewatching the remake and rewatching Freddy versus Jason for the first time since my beloved high school experience. So. Uh, that's my brief history. Um, these are all first watches for the first seven of these movies. So um, when this was initially here, uh, it was originally pitched as the original and new nightmare. And that's all. And Heath convinced me to do more and um, we'll get into it. So uh, I'm happy you convinced me to do more. Maybe not all of them, <laughs> but uh, I just, the, um, the reason why I wanted us to do the, all of them is because I feel like, especially if we're doing a ranking at the end, which we are, yeah. It feels disingenuous to just not include Freddy versus Jason and the remake because at, at that point, if you're going to watch seven movies, you might as well watch nine. <laughs> like just um, two more is not going to hurt. And it gives a, a, a better context of the evolution of the franchise over the decades. I'm I'm more so uh, re- was referring to ma- including two, three, four, five and Freddy's dead. Oh. Um, Oh, because we were originally just talking about doing movies that I own, which is one new nightmare. Yeah. 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 Yep. One new nightmare and Freddy versus Jason. Um, Yep. Okay. Let's enough, uh, enough talk, enough beating around the bush. Let's get it into it. Nightmare on Elm Street, the original 1984 film. Teenager Nancy Thompson must uncover the dark truth concealed by her parents after she and her friends become targets of the spirit of a serial killer with a bladed glove in her dreams. Or in their dreams, in which if they die, it kills them in real life. This is written and directed by Wes Craven, starring Heather Langenkamp, Johnny Depp, Robert Englund, John Saxon, and uh, other people. But that's kind of your big four. Real quick, uh, as always, we'll be spoiling all these films in their entirety. So if you're worried about spoilers, um, now's your time to go away. Um, But I feel like people know what these movies are what they're they're relatively generic slashers you know there's a struggle freddy gets defeated in the end but there's always a tease he's going to come back or they just do cocaine and find a dumb way to bring him back anyway and that goes on for seven movies so a nightmare on elm street the 1984 movie um we're gonna go in the same order do you like it love it hate it dislike it or think it's just okay heath uh, i love the original nightmare on elm street nice austin i uh, love it it's one of the three that I will rewatch more than the others. So that's totally fair. I yeah. think this movie's just okay. And oh. I'm sorry. 
Um, I'm willing to say that, like, I respect what this movie has done. There's a lot of iconic moments from it. But ultimately, as a movie watching experience, I didn't particularly enjoy it. I thought it was fine. Um, So let's get into it. Um, Okay, I'm sorry. I'm looking at my notes because I've watched all of these movies and have kept notes as I've been going. And it's like, I I guess I want to get the first this first thing out of the way. Um, This franchise is remarkably unscary. Which is kind of a shock because Freddy to me is the most unique, creative, and scary villain, at least in concept. Um, and some movies do a better job than others at actually using that. But like, I don't like when I watched the Halloween movies last year. Some of them are genuinely pretty scary. Some of some of them are not. But I don't. I think the first movie that actually scared me in this um, franchise was New Nightmare. Um, so I guess I just want to start off with that. Does anybody want to rebuttal that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'll rebuttal it. I, I think context matters. And the context is you're watching these as a grown adult in the year of 2023, you know, in the daylight. and you're not watching these as a, you know, teenager or young adults in their 20, you know, early twenties in 1984. Um, you know, th- this has a demographic that is meant for a younger audience to play with your mind in that regard, especially as all of the characters and virtually all of these movies are relatively of that age, uh, high school, college age. And um, context matters as well in terms of uh, the legacy of horror and what had been done up until this point. Keep in mind, by the time the original A Nightmare on Elm Street comes out in 84, the original Halloween had only been out for six years. The first Friday the 13th had only been out for three years. Uh, this is just still kind of the dawn of what we would consider the modern revitalization of horror post like the classic era universal monsters. And now we may think of them as old hat, tropey, classic 80s slasher horrors today. Uh, at the time, these were inventive, creative, and terrifying especially this one in comparison to something like friday the 13th or halloween because those are as i alluded to earlier just practical killers they are grounded in reality some form of reality they move very slowly and chase you down with some kind of bladed weapon okay well freddy chases you with a bladed weapon but just the aesthetic of it and the way that looks with that bladed hand kind of has a more gnarly implication to it because you can do so much more with it he doesn't walk he will run and chase you he likes to mess with your mind and play games he'll even cut and torture himself he doesn't care he thinks it's funny and that in and of itself is off-putting at the bare minimum if not horrifying because you're like if this guy doesn't even take care if he gets hurt he's willingly hurting himself what does that mean about what he's going to do to me but what makes it so scary is again when you know the concept of what Freddy is now, it's not as horrifying because it's been out for decades. But at the time, the idea of this demon, a dream demon, will get you in your sleep and you have to sleep sometime. You you can't go through life not sleeping. It is inevitable. And therefore, he is inescapable. It's not like Michael or Jason that you could run away from. You could get into a car and drive away and never see him again. No, like Freddy is literally the definition of an inescapable killer. Yeah. And that's what's truly scary is nothing, literally nothing you can do can beat him because you will eventually fall asleep. 
and you will be tired enough at some point that he will choose. And that's another part of it is he chooses when he wants to kill you. Sometimes he'll kill people quickly. Sometimes he'll mess with people and torment them and psychologically scar them and damage them. And I think it's those kind of things plus the practical effects of the time, like, you know, building a set where the room itself can rotate. So it looks like someone is rolling up onto the ceiling and getting slashed open or pulling someone into a bed and a geyser of blood uh, gushes out from the bed and pools blood onto the ceiling. These were shocking scenes uh, in 1984. And so I guess that would be my rebuttal is it may not be scary by today's standards because we've seen much more gore since then. We've seen this concept repeated nine times since then. You know, we're aware just in pop culture, Freddie is, especially since the first one where he was more scary, but since then he's become kind of a comedic character that also hinders the fear. Um, sure. But putting yourself back into that place, I think is, it's not required or necessary, but I think it's something I like to do when trying to watch older films that were especially around like before my time. This came out two years before I was born. Um, you know, I tried to put myself in that mindset so I can get that audience appreciation from the era, because if we always look at films in the context of now, instead of the context of now and the context of then, I think we're, we're missing a key element of what that film can provide. So that would be my long winded rebuttal. Sure. Uh, I mean, I think that's important to note too. I, I'm also going to say, I do think my experience with this original film is tainted because I saw the remake probably five or six times before I saw the original. And yeah. it's relatively like the same story. There's a couple of liberties that are taken. We'll get to the remake um, that kind of change the overall plot. But it's, it's also one of those that this movie is so iconic that uh, you know, I can think of seven or eight shots from this movie that I guarantee you've seen. If you've never seen one of these movies, you know, you have the face coming out of the wall above the bed frame. You have Tina's death. You have um, Glenn's death with that blood geyser, as you mentioned. You have the, the the claw coming out of the bathtub. You know, there's a million different shots in here that are great and iconic and classic, but just have ultimately, ultimately, like, I think my experience with this franchise in general culture, as well as seeing the remake really soured my taste on this particular film. So I'm also like, I think it's just, okay. I'm willing to accept, like I'm willing to accept and admit that I'm wrong and that's fine. It just, I didn't enjoy my experience because it's, it's just, it's, I grew up in an age of social media and you know, YouTube and having these things accessible and not seeing them in their first proper context and whatnot. So anyway, just, uh, just also, just pointing that out as well. Um, so this is the one that I am for sure the most wrong on. <laughs> and I just, I, I, I really respect what this movie did for this franchise and for the slasher genre, but especially in terms of the practical effects, you're right. I mean, the practical effects are killer throughout this whole franchise. You know, even, even when some of the stuff sucks, at least the effects are cool, you know, <laughs> um, cause they're practical, but, um, yeah, I um, I guess I also just wanted to throw that caveat on there. Austin, uh, Heath and I have talked for a little bit. What's the first thing you want to say about this? I think what pulls the scariness away is Robert Englund's performance. He has so much fun with his role, and you can see it throughout all of the movies. Um, but you're right. There's so many movies today that are more gorier, more scary and like I, I saw the nun last, uh, last month, but uh, the I, the practical effects 
is one thing that keeps me coming back to this movie. Uh, I was just in awe of the second one. I was watching it the other night while I was unpacking, and just what they can, what they did for that movie is really good. Kind of see it uh, not holding up as well in 2023, especially at the end of the first one. Um, but yeah, it's still, I think that's still a really good franchise, and I love going back to it every year or every other year. <laughs> I'm going to make one more claim here that's going to get me um, booed off of my own podcast, but um, Heather Langenkamp is a bad actress in this movie. She's so bad. Um, now, I'm, I'm, I'm in this movie. Like, I'm not trying to say, especially because in this franchise, she has been a great actress. She's really terrible in this movie. <laughs> um, so that really pulls it out of <laughs> it pulls it out for me as well, uh, especially because Robert Englund is doing his darndest and even johnny depp is really good in this role um so anyway i will um, fully uh push back against that one um i will say of heather's three performances in this franchise i think this is her weakest of the three yeah i don't think that she's like outright awful though i just think that she's just not as nuanced this is one of her first roles she was only 20 when this movie came out so they probably filmed it the year before she was maybe only 19 when they filmed it um, and I will say for as much as she comes off as a little phony and goofy, sometimes she's also kind of matching the vibe of the film. Like, cause Robert England is hamming it up, you know, like her dad, John Saxon is hamming it up really a lot as the Lieutenant detective. Uh, even her mom, uh, comes off ridiculous sometimes as like the alcoholic distant mother. Um, and her friends are like over the top as well. Tina and, uh, and Rod, like all of the only one who actually seems to be doing a serious take at this is Johnny Depp as Glenn. Um, apparently he didn't get the memo, but I think that's also just indicative of that's Johnny Depp is a, a real profound talent um, as we went and saw with his career ever since this original film. Um, and I, he probably almost couldn't help it. Like he, that's just, he has the skill to, to do something more than everyone else in this cast can do. Um, sure. So, uh, but so I, while I would agree, yeah, this is definitely the weakest of her three performances. I wouldn't say it's like abysmal by any stretch. It's just, it's just, it's fine. I think it matches the tone that the film is going for and that's sufficient. Um, I, I want to say something I really liked about the movie. The score's great. Um, yep. I was starting up this, um, this franchise and I was like, I don't know that I know the score to this, the, like the theme. I don't know that I know, you know, I, I don't know that I could pick apart a Friday the 13th one either, but I'm sure as soon as I heard it, I'd be like, Oh yeah, duh. Um, that's the reaction I had to this nightmare on Elm street. I was like, I don't know that I know the music. Like I can tell you, I could do the Halloween theme and whatnot, but like, I don't know that I could do the nightmare on Elm street and it starts playing. I'm like, Oh yep. I know this. This is great. Um, and seeing it in the context of the movie is actually a lot better. Like I feel like Halloween is one of those great where you can like hear it in the movie and decide and get the same reaction. Um, it is, this is a great track that is amplified by the, by its use in the film. Um, or at least may, at least main chord progression and whatnot. But yeah. Um, I think my biggest problem with two my only my only two my other two really big problems with this movie is that like and i'm willing to like forgive some of it but i i think this movie tries to explain freddy and then it just kind of it tries to explain freddy in terms of like oh yeah he's a 
child killer. Um, and that's why he's doing this. But like in doing so, it just kind of becomes like, you're really telling me in a small town, somebody w- at, that worked at a preschool was killing kids and the whole town just agreed to forget about it. Like that just doesn't happen. Like, and it, it just kind of irked me and whatever. It's, it's a, it's a movie from the eighties. Like, um, um, and I hate the ending of this movie. The like sort of false ending. I think it's terrible. Oh, you mean the the he's not really dead. He pulls the mom through the door thing. Yes. I mean that's you can one hundred percent blame Friday the Thirteenth and Halloween on that one. Uh, the producers of this movie blatantly said we don't know if we're going to have a hit here, but Halloween and Friday the Thirteenth ended with a oh, they might not really be dead kind of ending. So they wanted to mirror that just in case this was a, was a success so that they could leave themselves open to more films, um, which obviously this turned into a huge hit and it did spawn a big franchise. So mm-hmm. um, they it got to literally saved uh, New but, Line Cinema. But yeah, I mean, I, I get that. That final shot is a little eye-rolly, but I'm not going to slam the movie off of one 10-second clip. I'll I'll say it's not as egregious as other times in this franchise, but I really hated the last five minutes of this movie. Um, I think I'm gonna, I think I'm I think I'm out of notes that I really care to say. Like I, I think ultimately my my experience was just tainted by general culture parodying this franchise and or or, or sometimes respecting it, and then just nothing was really surprising or shocking. Or you know, when Tina's death isn't shocking, like that's kind of a problem like for your viewing experience, you know, um, that, and just having seen the remake, like it is a remake. It does cover a lot of the same general plot lines. So there wasn't like a, Oh, Freddie was a child killer. Like I I'd known the lore. And so it almost just felt like I was, I was talking about this with a friend. It really felt like, um, I just watched the exorcist for the first time. Um, the original, and I really liked it. But it does have this problem where I know that the end that the finale is an exorcist scene and it's the last like 40 minutes of the movie. So that first hour and 20 feels like it takes forever because I just know that's where it ends. Um, Or like I know Freddy's lore. So this movie just kind of felt way longer than an hour and a half for me Um, because I'm like, get to the get to the thing. I know this skip past. And that's like not fair to the movie. It's just my experience. So. That's why. That's why. Even though I think it's just okay, um, I'm I'm willing to say that like it's earned its right in horror hall of fame. And if you haven't seen it, especially if you haven't seen any of these movies, like you should really check it out. It could even be one of those things that you go back and rewatch it later. Now that you have seen the entire entirety of the original film, you know exactly what it's going to cover. Now you can go back and maybe look more at the practical effects. Look more at some of the creative ways they were able to advance the genre look at some of the acting decisions that were made even if they're a little bit campy how that was intentional and how that added to the vibe of the film and the i i i find that i appreciate this one more upon rewatch so that's possible too i hope i get there uh i'm certainly not opposed to rewatching this one it's not it's I'll, I'll say this to kind of tease other things um this movie is a masterpiece compared to others in the franchise even at my it's just okay rating um it's also one that like i'm not opposed to watching it again i don't know like there's others that i absolutely would turn on before this one um even out of chronology or timeline or whatever so um yeah any final thoughts on nightmare on elm street i'm done nope i love it 
Have y'all said everything? Austin. Well, um, let's move on to Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. Um, boy, this movie sucks at titles. Um, or this <laughs> franchise sucks at titles. Um, Austin, why don't you kick us off? Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Dead. Do you like it, love it, hate it, dislike it, or think it's just okay? Uh, if you would ask me about four years ago, it would probably still have been falling in the okay category, but it has risen a little bit over the last few years as I've gone back to it a little bit more because I used there's three distinctive ones in the series that I will I usually would rewatch those and just skip the rest. Um, but I've been going back to it more. I, I actually have come up to like it and it's despite it's very weird and very interesting story. Um, it has grown on me and I love that this one has a lot of the practical effects too that I really love. And watching it last Sunday night, it was really good going back to it. So cool, uh, Heath. Where do you land on this one? Uh, I think this one's okay. Uh, I like its ambition and some of the things it's aiming for. I'm not entirely sure it pulls them off, um, but I I I like the swing and uh, I like what it's become culturally um, from a representation perspective, um, which I'm sure we'll get to. So, um, but yeah, I think it's okay. Um, I finished this movie and thought I hated it. Um, (laughs) I'm going with really didn't like it, but I'm also going to throw a caveat on it that, um, after I watched, I think it was after four, I heard Heath, you had brought up on, um, your other podcast that, uh, um, the move about this movie's role in LGBTQIA plus history. And it kind of clicked with me. I was like, Oh, that makes a lot of sense. It doesn't make the movie good, but it means I respect the movie for it. Um, yeah. So, and I'm not part of that community, so I don't have a say in what it actually means or how it actually has affected that community. Um, but um, I at least came to respect that that aspect of this movie, but I am really close to hate this movie. <laughs> um, so maybe that let's use that as the jumping off platform. I mean, I know Heath, you were probably going to bring it up at that point and Austin as a, as a member of that community, I'd really like if you would contribute to that uh, oh, no. as, as much as you're comfortable with. Like uh, it had, that's one of the reasons I think it has grown on me is as I've come out and become part of this community is seeing those undertones and to know that there's a large portion of the community that just absolutely adores this film. Uh, Cause it is a weaker one for me. Uh, Cause I, the, it just picks up what like five years afterwards and or however many years after and doesn't really explain or pick up what happened with Nancy's story. But Jesse comes in and I think the actor has come out since then. I think we discussed this on uh, Franchise Brady CO. Um, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I lo- there's you know times when they just are blatantly like, oh yeah, the PE teacher does that goes out that gay bars at night and does all this stuff and they're just not caring and that i think it i i understand to see why and how it's come from as being kind of like a staple in the community as their horror movie and uh like i said it's gone up for me it hasn't risen a lot because it's still very cheesy but it has some of the best um i love their like i said i love their practical effects like him just cutting himself out of jesse and uh jesse just trying to figure everything out of what's going on and why freddie is after him um but yeah cool yeah, just to give it a little bit more context for those not familiar, and I say this as I'm not a part of that community as well, but uh, I I love any film that 
allows anyone of any community to feel like they can see themselves on the screen and to have that kind of representation and sense of understanding and empathy and community, I think is beautiful. So uh, for those a little bit unfamiliar, uh, this film, the lead actor of it, and I want to make sure I get his name right, uh, Mark Patton plays Jesse Walsh, the main character. And Mark in real life was in the closet at the time of filming. But the subtext of this film is largely centered around the idea of it's okay to be gay. And sometimes it's better to be honest with yourself so that you're not tearing yourself apart so that you can live a more complete and whole life. We see this in the fact that Mark, as Jesse Walsh in the film, is constantly with uh, this character, Lisa, who looks so much like a young Meryl Streep, but it's not. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, every time he's with his quote unquote girlfriend, it's just weird. The vibes are wrong. He he doesn't feel comfortable around her like at all. And in fact, what he likes to do is go to his friend Grady's house, a guy and spend time with him. And that's where he feels secure and comforted. That's where he feels himself. Uh, he feels a sense of compassion. It even gets to the point that there's a part in the film where I think he's trying to make out with his girlfriend and Freddie comes out from inside him, like his, his mouth and like his tongue and like pushes his girlfriend away. And when he's actually in the room with the Grady character, like Freddie is bursting out of his chest, trying to get to Grady. Cause that's who he actually desires. Austin, like you said, there's the scene about uh, a teacher that's, goes to a gay nightclub and they put that in the film again for the time in the mid eighties, this was incredibly progressive. It's almost impossible. I think to watch this movie now and not see that kind of subtext. The moment someone points it out to you, you're just like, Oh yeah. Like it's very clear as day. In fact, so much so that the screenwriters have even come out post this decades later and have said, yeah, that was absolutely the intention. Now, whether that's true or not, and they really meant that back in 85, I don't know, but I'm inclined to believe them given that the subtext is so numerous in quality uh, throughout the film. And since then, uh, Mark has come out of the closet. And as even if you're interested, there's a really interesting documentary called Scream Queen or Scream Queens, I forget. And it's about his journey through making this film and being a closeted gay man and having since come out and how this impacted his life and his career in Hollywood and so much. Um, I say all that to give context to those who are not aware, but also to say this is a big part of why I respect this film, because I feel like this film was really trying for something. Uh, I do also agree that the practical effects here are maybe some of the best that this franchise has literally ever done. The scene where Freddy is coming out of his chest, of Jesse's chest, is just like mind-bogglingly good. Um, I also love that Freddy actually fears, feels like a fearsome killer in this, although it's not quite the bloodbath you would imagine. There's a scene towards the end of this movie where Freddy comes out into the real world at a pool party and just starts wrecking teenagers. Like, and I'm like, yes, like when I first saw mm-hmm. this, I was like, yeah, go Freddy, get him, like get as many as you can, like, <laughs> just rack up the kill count. Uh, unfortunately, again, he doesn't get nearly as many because the kids run. Damn. Um, but damn like, teen, innocent there. teenagers surviving. Yeah, I know. Right, let's be honest. When we're watching these movies, we're usually not rooting for the characters I mean, to survive. You're rooting for the killer. <laughs> like, you're like, oh, yeah, it, go do the thing. Get up. I mean, in the, the context kill. of 
a movie like this that is already suspended from reality. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Like um, in real life, I would never want that. But like in, when you're watching this movie, that's part of the fun is like creative kills and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. um, there are some cool elements about this movie. Um, I even really like Mark's central performance as Jesse. With that said, taking a lot of the subtext out and trying to look at this more as like just a film on its own merits. Uh, this film struggles. The narrative plot is a mess. It really does feel like it's disconnected from the rest of the franchise because this is the only time Freddie's trying to possess someone's body, which is only in this movie that he even has that kind of power. And then it's never mentioned again. Even this film is never really mentioned again. And let any of the other later sequels, it almost feels like they made this and were like, yeah, that was a step in the wrong direction. We did some mistakes. Let's go back. Let's bring Heather Langenkamp back in. Let's get rid of the possession angle. Let's, you know, it, it just it just felt different. And for that, I yeah, the 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 tone, the vibe of this movie as a movie uh, just doesn't always work for me. But I do think again, the practical effects are great, and the LGBTQ plus community subtext is awesome. So uh, that's my take. I, I land on it's it's okay. I um, want to point out three notes that I had listed here um, that make a lot more sense with the context that you provided, Heath. Uh, the first one is what the hell is up with that gym shower scene? Yeah. Again, makes a lot more sense. They literally you know, whip a naked ass with a towel like multiple times. <laughs> um, I don't buy into Jesse and Lisa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think you're supposed to. <laughs> nope, you're not supposed to once you know what's going on. It <laughs> um, don't and, work at all. <laughs> and boo this ending, parentheses, the power of love is able to defeat Freddy. Um, yeah. All three notes that I take back knowing what the film is going for. Anyway, it doesn't make this film good. Uh, it means I can respect the film more, but it's still... It, it, Heath, you mentioned the, the pacing is terrible. The plotting is awful. It takes 30 minutes for this movie to do anything. Yep. Um... I really like the idea of Freddy possessing Jesse, but you're right. It doesn't go anywhere. And the, the, the rest of the franchise kind of just forgets about this movie um, for better or for worse. But also like, if you're going to forget about this movie, you might as well just forget about nearly every other movie. Um, and the idea, especially like by the time we get to Freddy, Freddy possessing people just feels out of character. It, it does. It does. Um, and yes, I also put um, this, I put the scene where Jesse transforms to Freddie in Ron in Ron Grady's room deserves all the stars. Yes. Um, and the subsequent pool party fight scene also deserves all the stars. So yes, um, that's, that's, that's it. Um, the only other note, fun individual moments and a good moral message behind it, but the actual like narrative construct of the film and the pacing of the film and the enjoyability of the film is like really flawed. The the very last uh, note that I had is the the ending of this movie is terrible. It's even worse than the first. The school bus <laughs> thing. Uh, the it's school so bus bad. on the pillar. <laughs> yeah, like floating it's in so space. Bad. I hate this ending maybe more than any movie in this franchise. So <laughs> I am out of notes. <laughs> I rest my case. Are we good to move on? Yeah. Yep. Cool. Nightmare on Elm Street Three: Dream Warriors. Austin, do you like it? Love it? Hate it? Dislike it? Or think it's just okay? Uh, fall between love and like it. Uh, this is the second one I will rewatch because I do like Heather. Um, and this is where the hypno sill pills or whatever are introduced. And I think they're brought back in again in Freddy versus Jason, um, mm -hmm. to stop you from dreaming or what have you. Uh, 
but again has some very uh, re- really good, interesting kills that which is a staple for this franchise. But yeah, Heath, I really like Dream Warriors. I'm not quite to loved it, but really like it. I am right there. I really like this one. It really surprised me how much I like this one. Yeah, um, I'm I'm with you, Austin. This is this is one of the ones I go back and rewatch often. This this one has a lot going for it. Number one, I think the, the kills in this movie are just as iconic as the kills in the original. They just don't get talked about as much or whatnot. And that's why I really appreciated um, listening to Franchise Parody. So how high the marionette kill got because that it kill is, is that wicked. good. Um, like it's wicked in terms of like what's going on. Like where, where he's like walking around and you're like, oh, Freddy's working him like a puppet. And then it literally becomes that. But it's also like seeing his veins and arteries be out of it. Like it's it's so scary. Like I would yeah. hate being there. And of course, like the one mute kid is watching. And so he has to alert everybody like but he can do that significantly slower because he doesn't use words. Anyway, like the kid, the, the, you have you have that kill and you have um a lot of a lot of people um, on the discourse that I read about this movie, um, the nurse scene is like mm-hmm. core memory for a lot of people that are a little older than me. Um, you know, you have the um, I I think every single kill in this movie is awesome, and and there's a lot that establishes lore here. I agree. I think Heather Laning Camp is better in here. Um, I I wouldn't go as far as to call her good. Um, but it was a significant step up here, um, and there's so much to like. But I, the main, one of the other things I really like about this one was that the stakes kind of became a lot more real because Freddy would interact with real world things. He didn't need to get in a dream anymore. Um, he could like like there's the scene where he like possesses like a puppet that's on a wall and then can like move around. And I think it's still like no, that's in a, the dream. It's like it like well, it's it's still like a dream. We could see Freddy interacting with real world things, but like if you're from an outsider's perspective, like you don't necessarily see um, things like with the TV kill, right? Like Freddy pops out of a TV and pulls them in. Like if yeah. he, if you were in the real world, you wouldn't see that. Uh, yeah. But anyway, right. but it's re- it's a really fun blend of seeing the dream world and the real world. The dream world is no longer the boiler room. Yeah. Um, so, and and again, the practical effects, man. The the shot where he gets off of the wall um, from the wall puppet and then uses uh, like is just as cool as everything that follows where he uses Philip like a marionette. But um, I'll also say this is the first movie where Freddy felt like Freddy to me. Um, I think Robert England is giving a great performance, but this is the movie where I'm like, that's Freddy Krueger. Um, specifically, there's a moment and it's the TV kill where he goes, yeah. welcome to primetime bitch. And I'm like, Whoa. That's Freddy Krueger. Yep, that's the moment where the character yep. becomes the character that we know today. Yeah, so um, really love that, and this movie's just a lot of fun. Um, I'm gonna shut up now because I wanna I wanna hear some 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 of you guys talk about this movie. I, I think I shared recently on uh, Twitter the what's your what's the kill that stuck with you, and it's the Welcome to Primetime picture, <laughs> mm-hmm. the practical mm-hmm. effects of it, the how are they gonna explain this as a suicide kind of thing, like that. It was one of the best. I love the marionette one too. Um, the the practical that had to go into that. Like the this movie is top notch because just the kills. Um, and it's one of the three every watch on a pretty regular basis. Um, and it sets up kind of like the trilogy of three, four, and five. Uh, mm-hmm. The dream, 
powers and everything. Uh, and is it? I, I haven't finished this one. My rewatch, but this is the one where he injects her veins with um, drugs yes. too. Drug overdose kill, mm-hmm. and that's a good. That's a really interesting kill too. So I I really love also how like the the opening scene is Kristen seeing Freddy's lair. And then, like, the sink turns into his claws, which is really cool. All Like, that's the moment I realized I'm going to like this movie. Um, but then it, like, kind of turns to the real world. And, like, Kristen is holding a razor blade. So it really made me kind of feel like... And I wish the movie would have explored this more about how, like, maybe Freddy is using real world objects. Like, it's it would be less easy to explain away. I mean, I think it loses some of the, like, mystical elements of Freddy. But I like the idea of instead of just looking down and seeing scratch marks you would look down see scratch marks and yourself ho- holding a razor blade like that that becomes a lot harder to to justify what you think is happening in your head and explain to others especially if somebody caught you in the act anyway i just really appreciate that um and i think this movie's really solidly solidly paced uh it's a brisk 90 minutes it's always moving it's never kind of staying still they introduce a lot of new elements such as like you know the hypnosis and bringing people into dreams and um whatnot and um i i was literally just wondering as i wrote this down i was i was literally just wondering why freddie chose this clinic and nancy says you're the last of the elm street kids and it's like it's simple it's dumb but it works i don't need more than that um it's 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 everything i expect from a mid 80s slasher movie it's and we continue to expand the lore of Freddy. I think this is the one where it's revealed his mom. Yeah, yeah, his mom's the nun, and Correct. she gets raped by a hundred. What, what's what's the thing that they say? Like a uh, son, son of a hundred. Yeah, maniacs. There you go. Son of hundred maniacs. Um, you know that's why he's this way. And then of course, anyway, later on in films, there's you know ancient dream demons. Anyway, whatever. Um, like, but I, I I like that this movie actually expanded the lore of Freddy in a way that felt right. And I'll be honest, I didn't see the nun being Freddy's mom. It's kind of obvious in hindsight, but that threw me for a surprise. So um, I have yeah. more notes, but I'm gonna stop for a second. Yeah, I. You guys have touched on a few of the things that I think makes this film special. Um, one thing that I've always appreciated about the Elm Street franchise is that it does seem to continually progress the lore. Uh, a lot of the other big slashers, again, Friday the 13th, ha- Halloween, they don't really do that. Like They kind of establish the characters in the first couple movies, and then it's just those characters murdering like every movie. That's, uh, but... Elm Street is not that way. Almost every single movie, uh, all the way through New Nightmare at least, adds something to the lore. Uh, gives us background on the character, background on the town, uh, how things are progressing, are are regre- regressing. It, it just it makes it interesting. Uh, I do also love the kills. I was going to mention the the drug overdose one. I think that one is also quite iconic. Um, this is this is the movie though where this in tandem with the kills becoming unique and the kills were already unique in the first one, but in the first one, you really only remember Tina and you remember Glenn. Like no one really talks about the guy who was hung in the prison. Like that's just not something we think about still a unique, interesting kill, but not on the same level as Tina and Glenn, but this movie, it becomes an event. Every kill is an event. It's, it's memorable. It's distinct. It's unique and creative, but also what makes it distinct unique and creative is Freddy's interaction with the characters, because this is where Freddy becomes 
Freddie, the Freddie that we know in pop culture that slings one-liners that calls people a bitch. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like that's part of the lexicon of what this character is. And we see that here first um, uh, that with that TV kill in particular, Um, I also like, and I think this is a very underrated part of why this movie works is because it's not a whole bunch of red shirts that are dying. Like we care about Tina dying in the first one because Tina is the friend, you know, the best bud. We, we want her to, to survive because she's Nancy's support, but like, we don't really know much about Tina. We don't care. Same with Tina's boyfriend. Even Glenn (laughs) is kind of a nothing character. He's just the boyfriend, you know, whereas here we actually get individual moments of character development with almost all these kids in this clinic. We understand their fears. We understand what brought them to this place what they're trying to overcome and how the adults don't listen to them and, or acknowledge their really very visceral concerns. And that sense of development makes it so that when these characters do die, it doesn't feel like red shirts that we're just waiting to get through on the way to our final girl. It feels like pain. It sucks. Like I liked a lot of these characters to the point that you are rooting for each of them to survive to some degree. And some of them do make it to the end of the movie. But I remember the first time I saw this, and I don't know if you guys felt the same way, but I would imagine you do because that's kind of the unique quality of this film is every single one of them, like when they die, you get a little sad. You're like, oh, I liked that person. I I like this punk rock girl who's trying to like kind of mm-hmm. take the edginess of her drug lifestyle, but rebel back against it. I like the guy who thinks he's a wizard in the, in the dream realm because he's handicapped and paralyzed in, in the real world, like all these things. And so you start rooting for them. And when they're taken away from you, Oh, it just sucks. And you start getting nervous about who's going to be lost. And that sense of compassion for these characters is lost in a lot of other films in the slasher genre. Again, I hate to keep ragging on Friday the 13th and Halloween, but I think it's important to illustrate why I think this one's so much better is you don't give a damn about any of the side characters in most of those movies. Those are the Mm -hmm. definitions of red shirts, but here Mm -hmm. that is markedly different. Um, And I think it's that, that level of attachment that makes the audience connection so pure. Uh, Again, the practical effects are really solid here, even down to the like giant uh, Freddy snake thing that tries to eat uh, (laughs) Patricia Arquette. Like that looks wicked. Yeah. Um, There's all kinds of stuff. And the skeleton fight is just kind of fun. Yeah. There's just like really fun, creative, really creative stuff that, and again, I think this is what showcases how cool Freddy is as a villain that we can have those slasher moments in, in the practical world but we also have these supernatural elements that you you can't fathom, you can't escape. They're horrifying. But all of this with the progressing of the lore and sharing dreams together and making powers within the dreams, it just makes it so fun. Uh, the reason that holds me back from loving this, like loving this, loving this, is this franchise, like a lot of franchises, has a tendency to like kill the established characters in a way that almost feels unsatisfying. And it's kind of nice when you have like a a franchise like Scream, where it's like, oh yeah, most of our big characters come back movie after movie. They survive. Like we grow greater attachment to this one. And when this has Nancy bite the dust at the end, like I just, I feel like that was a mistake. And I think even Wes recognizes that that was a mistake because we get her again later in New Nightmare. How her character was supposed to come back? Who knows? Because she was killed off, but, and we never really get an answer to that, but there are certain decisions like that that just kind of cut this film out from its kneecaps. Um, and 
that's just a narrative thing. That's just a me thing for maybe other people that doesn't bother them whatsoever. And that's very possible. Um, but, uh, I, I, I do still overall really, really like this movie. I'm going to leap off of that. Cause I have two, two more points and they're specifically about the fates of different characters. I actually am on the inverse. I really like the decision to kill Nancy at the end of this movie. Um, I'm of the opinion that horror franchises need to kill off their main characters more frequently than they do. Now I, I'm also like, I'm agreeing with you in saying that you got to have some people stay through, but I'm, but, but there is something about when you watch scream five and Dewey dies, like really, it feels like everything is on the table and I'm not saying anybody should have died earlier. I'm not even saying, and and it's one of those where Gail, like you really think she's going to die in six there for a minute. And then, you know, again, like spoiling, but like she doesn't. And, um, like, I just, I feel like the, especially on screen. Now you have to do it right. And I think this was right. When Laurie Strode dies at the beginning of Halloween resurrection, it's not right. When Laurie Strode dies off screen between Halloween two and four, it's not right. Um, You know, when characters are killed off screen, it's obvious and it, and it sucks. But when they're killed on screen specifically, it it either goes Halloween resurrection or or here. I really like this fulfills Nancy's arc. She's, if you're going to kill a character, then this is what you want, or you want it like Dewey. I don't disagree with that. In fact, I do think characters should die, but I I need a middle ground. I don't need yeah. people to survive forever, like in Scream, where Gail Gail should have just died in six. Like that should have happened, but we don't get that, and there's she's still ar- around. But then on the flip side, I don't like Nancy going out in her second outing because that's a thing that the horror genre does as well, where someone will f- survive the their first film and then they die in the second film. Um, and this franchise does this Friday, the 13th does it a lot with their final girls who will die immediately at the beginning of the next movie. Um, but it, it just, I think three or four movies is the sweet spot. Like have them survive about, give them like a trilogy's worth of film. And then if you need to kill them, I get it because by then we have such a greater audience investment. You've been able to do real full fulfilling character arcs. Not that there's not a good character arc for Nancy here. I think there is, but like, I don't know. I just always felt it was too too soon for her character to go. But that's just, again, my take. I think it would have felt better if Patricia Arquette would have stayed on for yes. the future. Um, so but that's not on the studios. That's on her. Um, yeah. And that's fine. That's her right to choose to not be in those movies, especially when she got a script. Uh, but anyway, um, so I, I think you're right. I think three or four films is a sweet spot. There's like a... Um, because it does allow us to get invested, but it does still allow us to keep us on our toes. Uh, yeah, it's like three or four really feels right. I don't, I don't, I, I, I think it's more important about how they're killed off as opposed to when they're killed off. But the worst thing that happens is when a killer is when somebody that survived a movie is killed off immediately in the next. Now, sometimes it works really well. Um, but when that happens all the time. Like, I really like when, um, like, Cotton Weary dies at the beginning of Scream 3 because that's an established character. Um, and so uh, I, I really like that. But um, it did work for me here. The one that I really disagree with, though, is the decision to kill Will, the paralyzed kid, um, because I just really liked him. I thought he was a lot of fun. And I, um, I really liked the juxtaposition of him being the most powerful in the dream world, but then also being you know, a very weak person in the real world. Um, Like I like that juxtaposition of this is the only place that he has power. And so he's, and not only that, but like he, he's like, all right, cool. I'm a wizard now and woohoo. Yay. And awesome. 
the movie doesn't really do that anymore or the franchise doesn't really do that anymore after this like you can't just conjure like they don't just conjure up weapons in their dream even though they're like it's a dream it's a dream it's like it's a dream you can have some control and they're just like wake up wake up wake up it's like you know form of machete you know like you know um i wish the franchise would have gone more into that and i think having will lead that would have been a better choice so i hate that they killed will i love that they killed nancy um (laughs) okay i'm done um nightmare on elm street three speak now or forever hold your peace i i have to agree with you aaron i like that they have the guts to kill nancy and it's a kill that is i looked it up again because it's been a couple of years that i've watched these um and it was one that's personal to her she thinks she's one she's her father's coming up to her and nope it's freddie and i i think Yes, I like Heather, and I think she could have gone for... They, they could have done something with her. They could have had Will instead of Patricia, but I think having her die is just... A, it solidifies it that anyone can die. That it doesn't mean that you're always safe. I think that more links to the message that you're dying in your dreams. Like, it's supposed to be your safety. You're in your bed and warm sleep, and nope, you're... you're got a, There's a killer coming after you. And I think... Uh, I kind of I like Nancy dying. So yeah, yeah. I um, yeah, it felt right. Um, I did see it coming though that Freddie was disguising himself as her dad. That didn't surprise me. I don't know if it was supposed to, but I'm sure it was intending to, but it didn't. Um, okay, Nightmare on Elm Street Four: The Dream Master. Um, Austin, like it, love it, hate it, dislike it, think it's just okay. Uh, I think this is where it starts. They're still getting into okay. Because this is the one where how they resurrect him is the most insane. I, I think this is the one where you're referencing. They did cocaine, so let's just come up with a way to resurrect him. And this is the most insane one. I, I get sticking a pole in Jason, letting it getting electrified to bring him back because they wanted because having someone else be him wasn't working. But this is the most insane movie, and I think that's why I, I will never get out of okay for me. But having good kills too. Yeah, this is uh this is where the franchise really starts to fall. Uh, this is low side of okay. I didn't like this one. Um, it's not as egregious as I thought it would be, especially because like the way they bring back Freddy is egregious. But then I kind of like the rest. Like I like what this movie is in concept. I don't like it in execution. Especially like I really like how three felt final. It it really feels like three was the end by having Freddy being you know consecrated. Um, and with Nancy dying and when I really felt, but it also feels like they're setting up an Alice trilogy because they did. Uh, but then, you know, she didn't return. Uh, it, it It's, it's a really odd, like I, my first note was this franchise has no idea what it's doing. Um, it's, and it's obvious here. Like it, it doesn't get better from here either. Um, well, not this is the, the most franchise redefines itself, but yeah. Yeah. This is the most directionless franchise that I've, is like Halloween is very directionless, but at least they knew what they were trying to do and went for it. This is just like pull a director and a writer up to to make a new Freddy movie and have it be where he's definitely not coming back at the end. But then the last guy did that, so you have to find a, a way to bring him back. And and Rennie Harlan's just like, well, that's stupid. So let's just bring him back in a stupid way. Um, also, like this is like so in the moment like it starts off with like that honestly i thought terrible original song um i think it's original song i don't know song in the beginning is terrible and no nightmare movie should start with a song unless it's will smith's nightmare on my street that's the only acceptable song that can open a nightmare movie 
Um, but uh, I again, killing Kincaid and Joey right off the bat is exactly what we were just talking about. Um, yeah, I'm gonna step in here and say this is this is exactly why I think uh, I I I think you're wrong <laughs> about the Nancy thing. Uh, I, I I think we're agreeing with the idea that Nancy should die, characters should die, but I think you guys are just wrong on the timing thing, and this movie proves it because this movie had nothing going for it at the beginning because they did the horror trope of, all right, anyone that survived, let's kill them off right away, start with a whole new group, and we have no one that we're invested in. Uh, even, you know, we recast Patricia Arquette, and that character is now being played by Tuesday Night, and she's terrible. In fact, she's so all bad. the acting in this movie is terrible. Um, and the Alice character, I, she's fine, I guess, but she's not as interesting. I, I hate to say that, but she's just she's not as interesting as Kristen was. She's not as interesting as Nancy was. I, I think Alice is kind of a, a bland character. Frankly, I think the only reason they even named her Alice is because they just wanted to do a whole bunch of Alice in Wonderland uh, metaphors and like quotes and tropes. Um, this movie just feels like an excuse, like you said, to make a Freddy movie. Um, the only thing I think they're doing that's remotely original is they're still having real fun with the kills. Like I dig the, uh, like the karate kid one, like clearly it's a rip on the karate kid and they're just trying to ape off the popularity of that movie that had just come out. I think like a year or two before this, but at least they're like trying to do something different. Is this also the one with the comic book graphic novel kill, or is that um, the next I think one? I think that's five. That's five. Okay. Yeah, I think that's five. But at least they're trying to. I, the way I've always described this one is this is like the 1980s MTV nightmare movie where they're just like they're doing some needle drops. They're having a lot of big flashy clothes, and it just feels like this was made for an MTV generation. Um, is, this is the one with the bug kill, right? They turn someone yes, into a that's, bug. Yes, that's the one that I pointed out as yeah. the kill of the movie to me. Yeah, so like they're still at least doing some wicked, gnarly, practical effects. They're doing some unique kills, and they're at least still expanding the lore. Um, again, the, the narrative plot is still not good, the actual structure of the film, but at least they're giving us something still that's at least entertaining to some degree, which is why I say it lands in okay, but it's still on the low side of okay because there are more flaws than there are good things. So that's my take on this one. Um, yeah, De- Debbie's Debbie's death, the fly trap kill is the glue trap kill is by far my favorite of this film. Um, I love it. I I wrote boo kung fu fight just pick a lane. Um, I think it's fine, but like it's it's like the the movie itself is so inconsistent. It, it's really like Granny Harlan doesn't care. Um, yeah, and he probably didn't, and I wouldn't well, either. Like the karate fight kill does not work at all. Oh, like I no. called it in my review, like one of the most bizarre and forced things I've ever seen in any film. Again, just literally trying to capitalize on the popularity of the Karate Kid. But at least I got I I could laugh at how stupid it was, but. I don't think the movie wanted me to laugh at it, which is a mark against them. Um, Huge mark against this movie. Kristen's death is so bad. Um, It's awful. Especially as the protagonist of the, of the previous film who then was clearly set up to be the new face of the franchise for her to go off. So unceremoniously like that. And so easily was really disrespectful Um, and fine. Uh, (laughs) 
as mentioned, Alice is a terrible actor. Have you ever wanted a Have you ever wanted a final girl to die as much as you wanted Alice to die in four and five? Like, no. I I, um, I will say I think if I remember correctly, Austin is actually a fan of Alice. So, uh, if I remember that, uh, Austin, please feel free to correct me. But yeah, I've never been a fan of of Alice. I don't think Lisa Wilcox is a good actress. Like everything about her character and who she, the performance she's giving, like I just I can't stand it all. But Austin, didn't didn't you tell me once that you really liked Alice? I brought her up as a final girl for the uh, our list as being someone who because she's was in more of the movies as a character. Or uh, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I guess her and Heather had the same amount as Nancy or as Alice. But uh, I I kind of like her a little bit more in Five because she's given a little bit more room to grow. Uh, mm-hmm. As opposed to this one, it just feels like. They felt like, I guess, Tuesday night didn't pull off Kristen as well as Patricia Arquette could. So they was like took everything that her character is going to do and said, let's just give it to this character and redo everything else with her. And I think throwing that in is what really kind of threw a wrench in her. And then she had more time to be able to do something in the fifth one. And then we go on to the sixth one and it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> but I, I mean, I like her and I can see where... She is kind of dull and boring, especially in this one, because she's just like, okay, I have her power now for some reason, and I can do all these things for some reason. And it's like they had no thought into it. It's like Wes came back, gave you a, 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 silver, a, a nice dinner on a silver platter, and you just threw it in the trash and said, let's create something else. I do really like, this is the one saving grace for the movie to me, besides some of the deaths, um, is that... Um, <laughs> I, I really like the concept of somebody needing to bring somebody into a dream world for Freddy. Like Freddy can't get to this person. He needs Alice to bring in people. Like I, I think that's a really cool concept and to do an original cool concept for movies into a franchise that has already gone off the rails. Like I'll give it props. Um, but I hate the way that they defeat Freddy. Cause there's like another nursery rhyme that she like knows by head, but we've never heard that nursery rhyme ever before. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so stupid. Um, I hate it. <laughs> so, um, are we any more notes on this one? Nope. No, I said my. I have a feeling the next few movies we'll be able to go through real quick because we're me getting too. into yeah. a low point. Um, me too. Okay, nightmare. Uh, so, uh, didn't like it. Um, not as egregious. I, I think I liked it more than two, but again, like I've come to respect two since. So, uh, but I really didn't like two when I finished it. Uh, nightmare on Elm Street Five: The Dream Child. Um, like it, love it, hate it, dislike it. Think it's just okay. Austin. Uh, low side of liked it. It like I said, I, I think Alice has more to work with in this film because she is it, with child and she's pregnant throughout the whole thing. And Freddy's kind of like feeding the child the spirits he kills. Um, but it's also he's kind of not getting to be his full self too because he's kind of like in different pieces and trying to reconnect and try to find a way to come back into the world. I, I think it's this shows that they just didn't have. Um, any kind of a plan, which none of the movies back then did have like a plan whether whether you look at Halloween or Friday, Friday the 13th or even nightmare. Like they're just, okay, this is good. Let's put out another movie. So Heath, I really don't like this movie. Um, this is, this is entering the part where when I first watched this franchise, I almost gave up on it. Uh, this and one more movie to come. Uh, 
I I really don't like this one. Unfortunately, I also really don't like this one. Um, there is exactly one thing that I like in this movie, and it's the comic book sequence. In the comic book, black and white graphic novel kill. Yep. It's awesome. It's yep. so good. It's Genuinely worth this cool. movie existing. It's the next one that Barely. has the video game one, right? Yes. Yep. The Power Glove um, video game one, yeah. I hate the premise of the child, Alice's unborn child, that Freddy's using his dreams to get... I hate it. I hate that they are just regurgitating the Freddy lore of his mom was some, you know, he's son of a hundred maniacs. Um, I'm fine with them bringing up, bringing it up, but you have to bring something new to it as well. And they don't. Um, I hate that every film has to start off with one person who knows what's going on. And everyone thinks they're crazy, even though this is the fifth time it has happened in one town. Um, especially when one attack was at a very large, very public pool party. Um, but this is the film that I also got really tired of the formula of like, People don't actually start fighting Freddy until two thirds through the movie because the first two thirds are them trying to convince other people that what's going on is actually real because there because there are no characters except for one that lasts more than two movies. Um, so it's almost the uh, comic book origin fallacy where mm-hmm. at some point we just know the origin as an audience and you don't need mm-hmm. to keep repeating it unless you're going to do something fun and unique and different with the origin. We'd rather you just get to the meat and potatoes of the character. And you kind of feel that with these Freddy movies where, yeah, we spend 45 minutes every movie where a couple kids are dying and the ones who are surviving are just desperately trying to convince their parents or other kids at school or whatever that this is happening. And then after everyone finally is on the same page of, oh, there's a dream demon, (laughs) then they can actually like start the movie. I'm out of notes. Just the ending is so boring as well. That's it. To, to, Follow up on what you said about the lore. The the most frustrating thing is that in an effort to expand the mythology in this movie, it actually breaks a lot of its established rules from the previous films. So it actually ends up crapping all over its lore. It's it's trying so hard to be something new that everything like almost everything that came before it is lessened. There's like no reason to follow or care about the story any longer or any of these characters. The only one who's even still around who have any amount of attachment to is Alice. But as I already said, I think she's a very underwritten and lackluster character and horribly acted, which doesn't help. Uh, the the Freddy demon child thing is just a complete misstep. It becomes laughable. Um, I, I just end up going like, what's the point of mo- most of any of this? Like the stakes are just gone. Even some of the kills, like, I, yeah, the comic book graphic novel kill is legitimately dope. That is awesome. Mm-hmm. But most of the other ones are kind of lackluster. And it even feels at this point, kind of just an excuse to give Freddie the opportunity to sling one liners. Like how often can we make Freddie say the word bitch is kind of what it feels like at this point. And when you're, your your engaging, interesting, famous character starts to become a trope in and of himself, of himself, that's when you really start to lose me. So, yeah, I really uh, think this movie has a lot of problems. I'm out of notes. Heath and I just shit on the movie for a while. Austin, you said you really, Austin, you said you like it. Um, so I don't. That's why we're wrong. Low side. Why we're wrong. It. It's low side. <laughs> it's at my bottom. It, it, it's not at my very bottom, but it there, it's close. Um, but it also feels like one of those movies that it's so far into the franchise. Saul does this a lot is we came up with some interesting way to kill people and let's just try to 
get them to get the movie to those scenes. And, you know, you have the overfeeding scene, you have the comic book scene. I think oh it was God, mostly someone wrote scene, man. Uh, that comic book scene and it was like, let's get to that scene. So they didn't put any more thought into actually getting to that scene. So it, I'm probably more borderline hating it, but the sixth one, it also takes the cake for that one. But it is, there are others that are lesser. So let's, let's get into it then. Freddy's dead. The final nightmare, the sixth film. Um, do you like it? Love it, hate it, dislike it. or think it's just okay. Austin. Uh, it, it's a little bit higher because it gives a little bit more lore to who Freddy is, but everything else about this movie is just stupid. It having to come back because of an amnesia person, uh, bringing in more people, bringing in two actors who are, who used to I find funny but are annoying in this movie. The power glove scene, just everything about this movie is just they ran out of ideas and they had to go back and beg West. So there was just nothing they could do, and they even had to bring Heath. back Johnny. So <laughs> Heath. I absolutely loathe this movie. I despise it. I think it is a dumpster fire. Pure garbage. Unequivocally the worst film in this franchise. And I genuinely, genuinely cannot fathom how anyone doesn't see it that way. Like, it blows my mind when I see rankings on Letterboxd and there are movies above this one. Or or, uh, below this one, I'm sorry. Uh, It just, this movie is garbage. I hope that was clear enough. <laughs> mm, I, now, hate it. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna go. With, we're uh, gonna go with hate it. Low side of hate it. Um, I didn't like it. I didn't hate it. I didn't like it. Heath, you're gonna hate me in a bit because it's not my least favorite of this franchise. And I'm uh, gonna think you're wrong. <laughs> it's, but here, but here's the deal. When when the original was, it's just okay for me. Like they're all interchangeable except for one and three so far. Like to me they're all like right there with four's got maybe a little bit more going for it but um okay um let's see what notes do i have i can't think i can think of three things about this movie that i hate and that's the only thing um okay i like that this franchise continues to build lore that's the dream demon thing i mean you're we're six movies in and like the fact that they're still again it kind of rewrites some of the history but like at least it's trying like all right i'm not defending that um (laughs) I don't know if he's not dependent. Well, because it tears down existing lore, it's not building lore; it's replacing lore. Yeah, because uh, the dream demon stuff instead of just son of a hundred maniacs. Like they never mentioned uh, before him being connected more to that house than just being connected to Nancy, and then or him having children at all. That's why I like the lore being built, but there it is, retconny. Um, I wrote at one point. I'm 30 minutes in, and this feels like it's going to be real time from the rest of the movie it kind of works um we've not seen anything like that because these films are so slow they take place over kind of like the one movie in real time ish it's all in the dream sequence once they get there um and people go in and out of it but it's like it's all one sequence it's all to do anything fresh for a sixth movie um i did wrote a note um with the freddy lore freddy has a kid that presumably means freddy also had a partner at one point and later we see freddy's wife if this franchise continued, I'm sure they'd exploit that. Like, make Freddy's wife the new Freddy Krueger and the, or the daughter. It's obvious, man. It's obvious that that was going to be the daughter. Um, let me tell you, Heath, why I liked this movie more than five. I would love to hear why you're wrong. 
<laughs> kind of like I kind of really love the video game sequence. It's Dude, dumb. Shut up. No, it's you dumb. Did not. It's dumb and it doesn't fit at all. But this movie as a whole doesn't fit at all in this franchise where half the movies don't fit at all. I kind of like the video game sequence a lot. I kind of like Breckenmeyer anytime he shows up. I think that was your say. You've touched on one of the two things I like seeing is that you've got baby Breckenmeyer here and you've got Yafet Kodo, who is a legend to me, uh, an incredibly underrated actor. I at least had fun when they were on the screen. That's literally it. On Letterboxd, I gave this a one star instead of a half star. They are the only reason why it's one star. <laughs> they they bumped it up an extra half star. I'm, I'm going to tangent. I'm going to do my rant. I'll just get it out of the way. Uh, at this point, this franchise has officially jumped the shark. There's absolutely nothing here oh, yeah. that is worth any amount of value whatsoever. The lore that it's establishing and trying to bring in is actually destructive. It is parasitic to the film and the franchise's own lore, which makes it counteractive and non-purposeful. All of the acting, all of the acting, even though the people that I enjoy just as character actors that I mentioned, is objectively bad. Uh, it doesn't have the wherewithal to actually bring any amount of reasonable emotion from the audience other than for me to laugh at it. And not in a good way. I'm not laughing with the film. I'm laughing at it and laughing at these actors and their performances. I think it is absolutely ridiculous that we've gone full slapstick like freddie is literally doing flat slapstick jokes and knocking people around he's dragging his uh knives across a chalkboard just to make like screeching noises we we have him playing video games we have him eating pizza meatballs off of pizza that are apparently people and it just it doesn't play as fun as creative like his early kills did in three or even four at this point, it just feels try hard and stupid and not an enjoyable level of campy, but like campy that you cringe at. There's even like ridiculous banana peel, like sound effects. The editing is horrible. There's just nothing here that makes anything that was established in the fr- in, the, in the earlier films, anything about the Freddy character interesting. I guess I respect the attempt to try to say, oh, the town is dying. There's no more kids left. Like the people are losing their minds. The ones who are even still here. Like you said earlier, uh, Aaron, that it's ridiculous that these people in this town don't know that something's going on. Cause this keeps happening. Like at least now you get the resolution to that. The consequences of, Oh, kids kept dying in this town. So people moved away and the people that did stay are just adults and they've kind of gone insane. Um, at least that's, interesting but everything else that they do to change the lore to get to that point and some of the other things that they do with the freddy character and the father-daughter dynamic and all that stuff versus the dream baby and whatever it all makes it uh negated it's all mitigated and just valueless i just i don't find this entertaining i don't find it constructive i don't even find the kills fun like everything about this movie is just terrible to me so i'm done there's my piece that's Uh, fine i'm gonna gonna rebuttal with two notes um first of all this has maybe the worst ending of the movies besides two and maybe five um but the fact that this movie ends so anticlimactically by them definitively killing freddy in the real world and then it just kind of like that's it all right cool like and and the movie knows we don't care what happens to anybody (laughs) like yep it it just kind of ends and like well that sucked it's very Game of Thrones season 80. Um, uh, I I think 
you mentioned everybody's bad in this movie. I think Robert Eglund is having the time of his life. He is he is the only reason worth watching this movie. And I think he's just selling it. Because here's here's my reason for why I think this movie is higher than five for me. Is because at least this movie got a reaction from me. Like at least it was kind of campy and silly. And it didn't work for you, Heath. But it kind of did for me. But... I had more I had more fun watching this movie than I did definitely five and most of four. There's a scene. One of the kills in this movie is a top five of this franchise kill for me. And it's Carlos with the hearing aid. Um, yeah, that is a genuinely cool kill. I will give you his that. cool is awesome. And Robert Eglund is having the time. Eglund is having the time of his life. Nice hearing from you, Carlos. I love it. Um, that death scene alone is enough to make it above five for me. I'm not going to defend nearly anything about this movie. I think also no, like expectations going into them. I just knew, I didn't know three was going to be as good. It was great. And I was like, that means four must suck. And then five is definitely going to suck. And six is going to suck hard. And and I got to end of five. I'm like, how could that be worse? And then I watched six. I'm like, it's not like, it's certainly not good. It's, it's really didn't like it, but it's, I enjoyed watching it more than I watched five and I'm done. Uh, I'm done I will just say letterbox is on my side. This is the lowest rated film <laughs> of the entire series. And, franchise, and other I than understand that. And I am, it is not my personal lowest, but I have a very strong feeling and would not object to this being the lowest of our collective. It almost feels like a given. We'll get there in a minute. Um, it's my second lowest. Austin, do you have anything else to say about Freddy's Dead? Uh, nothing that's not already been said. Like it's, I said, it's my second lowest, and uh, there's just that it's like he like he said they jumped the shark. They had no idea what they wanted to do with this. Either they couldn't get Alice back, or they just were done and just was like, okay, let's figure out a way to end this series. Let's move on to Wes Craven's new nightmare. Yay! It's fun again. <laughs> Anytime Wes okay. is around, it's always going to be fun. <laughs> Do you like it, love it, hate it, dislike it, or think it's just okay, Austin? I love this movie. I love everything about this movie. I I really love this movie. This is my second favorite in the whole franchise. I'm going really, really, really high side of like it. I can't quite cross into love it, but uh, my recommendation for anybody that's still listening is if you were to watch these movies, you watch one, three, and New Nightmare, and that's it. That's my... Yep, those are the three I rewatched the most. One, three, yeah, and nightmare. Um, that's all you need. If, if I'm, I'm talking specifically just old stuff, we'll get to Freddy versus Jason and whatnot. And yeah. if you should watch them in of the original context, seven yeah. of the original run, you watch one, three, new nightmare, and don't touch the rest of them. Maybe watch two if you're going to pair it with Scream Queens. You know. Um, so okay, really like it. Can't quite cross into love it. Let me let me tell you the reason why I can't quite call it, cross into love it. Um, being thirty minutes longer than the rest of them, it kind of drags a little bit for me i do like the suspense here i do like that we don't actually really see freddy until like 80 minutes into this movie um but it did kind of have some pacing issues for me but ultimately my one true knock on this movie is the ending is so lackluster like them defeating freddy for me lost all steam momentum anything for me it just kind of felt back to where we were originally but everything up until I would say the when when um when the kid leaves the hospital to go back home and Nancy or sorry Heather follows um Dylan um across the interstate. I would say once they cross the interstate, I'm out of the movie. I don't like the rest of it. Um, I do. I mean, it's kind of fun how it like ends 
you know, with Han- going all Hansel and Gretel, um, you know, like a fairy tale. Um, but anyway, that's 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 what keeps me out of love. It um, concept is super cool. First film in this franchise that felt remotely scary. I think Dylan's a great actor. Um, the person playing Dylan, uh, Miko Hughes, I think he's so good in this movie. Um, it's kind of campy and cheesy, but especially for 1994, this kid's great. Um, there's a line that might be my favorite line in this franchise. Maybe welcome to primetime bitches. But anyway, um, it's the line where after Dylan like almost hurt um, hurt himself on the playground and he said, God wouldn't take me. Like So freaking cool. Like The context of that line, incredible. Um, I like the design of Freddy, but prefer the original. Um, and I know that Wes Craven even has regrets about changing the design because he said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Except the hand. I like the hand better. I like the claw hand better in this one. It feels more visceral. Yeah. Because it's more of a part of him than just some glove he made. I love the hand. I really like this movie. I really liked my experience. It feels like groundwork for a lot of meta comedy, meta horror stuff that came later, like scream specifically i know this is the prototype we, for scream like you don't get scream down. without this movie i i even also argue i say you don't get cabin in the woods without this movie making this attempt you don't get any of the meta horror comedy stuff that we've gotten uh, since then. i'm all out of notes but i'm happy to talk more about this movie i really enjoyed it um but i'm sure you guys enjoy i know you guys enjoyed it more than me so um anything i missed feel free to say your piece uh i agree maker hughes is incredible uh, I will talk more about why he, him being such a good actor a little bit lower um, because there's another movie that I reviewed recently that he was in the original of. But uh, this movie is just, like you said, it's incredible. It's, the reason why we have Scream is he got to play around with this movie and his characters and was able to make really good meta in Scream. Uh, Thinking about him, them going into the dream world reminds me of uh, this movie from when I was a kid, uh, Don't Look Under the Bed. It's a Disney uh, scary-ish movie, but them crawling under into the tunnel of sheets. That I, I, I see where that's campy of them have to get down there. But everything, like his design, his look, just it screams terrifying. This is the one for me that is more truly terrifying than all the others. Yeah, I like that this is actually a horror movie. This is the first <laughs> horror movie in the franchise since the first movie. Um, you could argue that there are horror elements in two or three, but that's when they're already transitioning into comedy, and out, and from four on, it's just comedy. Um, but this is really a return to the franchise's roots. Thank you, Wes Craven, for doing that. It's a reinvention of the franchise. It is the prototype for Scream. It is more than just meta jokes about horror movies and horror franchises. It's, you know... It's recreating scenes like he does the Tina's death on the ceiling thing again, but this time it's the the au pair nanny uh, in the hospital and but still like on the ceiling and we get uh, instead of uh, someone being stabbed and it's a score from a nightmare on Elm Street, we get this psycho score like just everything about this feels so fresh, creative and original and you can see all of the percolations in Wes Craven's brain that led to Scream. They're all here years before Scream existed, and it's it's beautiful in many ways, especially because not only is this scary, this is also really emotional. I would say that there's a lot more emotional investment and development of these characters than we do get later in Scream, and I say that as someone that freaking loves Scream. 
Um, I think what Heather Langenkamp is doing here is genuinely impressive. I think the juxtaposition that she's playing as an actress trying to be an actress while also trying to be a real life person portraying an actress while also having to deal with the conflict of her real life trauma that she has as part of an actress from the Elm Street legacy while trying to play that down to audiences or to the press or to the public while also being a mother. This is a massive juggling act that she pulls off here and it's really handled quite well. I think Robert England is truly terrifying here more than any other entry he's ever done. I think he's even scarier here than he was in the first one. It is interesting, Aaron, that you mentioned that he doesn't even come full Freddy until 80 plus minutes into the movie. It's almost like Jaws or like a monster movie where we don't see the monster. Like we know he's out there and we know people are dying, but we don't get confronted with that terror until so long. So that dread, that sense of terror and dread naturally builds up in the audience, which makes it so much more visceral when we do get to those final conflicts. We still have a return to great practical effects. Like so much about this is weighted and grounded in a way that feels horrifying and terrifying, but it's also original and a script that's compelling and unique and fun. It's what makes horror special. This is the kind of movie you look to. I don't give it a perfect score. I do agree. I think the redesign of Freddy really doesn't work. I don't even like the new glove, uh, but that's, again, just a personal thing. But overall, I think everyone can generally agree that the redesign is not the best. Um, I also uh, don't care for the boiler room hell fight at the very end of the movie. I think it's just... I, I almost wonder if they started to run out of budget because even the, the way that set is constructed, it just doesn't look as well kept and put together as the rest of the the film prior to that. I like the concept of going into Freddy's boiler room, confronting him at the heart of who he is as a demon, a literal demon. You know, uh, I even even down to the lore, like we've been talking about the changing of lore throughout this franchise. I love the playfulness of the lore here and how it's. You know, this is actually a real demon who's pissed off at Wes for taking his iconography and his image in these stupid childish movies. And he wants to reclaim that himself. You know, like it's just so much right. There's so much this movie gets right that the few things that it gets wrong, I can easily look past. And I I genuinely love this movie. I think it's incredibly impressive. Yeah. And Heather Langenkamp is great. Like, that's the one thing I want to say, like. Cause I, cause I specifically shot on her earlier. Um, <laughs> she's so good in this movie. Yes. All right. Speak now for every hold your peace. Freddy versus Jason. Um, Austin, do you like it? Love, hate it, dislike it, or think it's just okay? I think it will remain in light category because it's what introduced me to both Freddy and Jason. Because I, I was born ninety two, so I had no idea who either of those two people were until this movie came out. And after watching all the Freddy movies and coming back home after the trip. I went and found all the Friday the 13th movies and went and watched all everything about Jason. I've been, eventually got all of his movies in, yeah, I, except one. I don't think I've seen Jason Goes to Hell all the way through, but... You don't need to. That's, <laughs> that's the Freddy live of that franchise. And uh, so I think Freddy's this is mostly just uh, what if Jason was Freddy Krueger type of a movie, um, because he's doing a lot of Freddy things, except in the real world. And then they, they bring more of Freddy's lore back into it. 
they, they they don't really mention a lot of with Jason except for his mother and uh, the whole water thing and the camp thing. But there's nothing like pulling, if I remember it correctly, there's nothing more pulling really from Jason's side of things. So that kind of dampers it a little bit, but I think it still will, will stay and like it for me. Heath? Um, this movie, this is a movie that I think is objectively as objective as subjective art can be uh okay but i really like this movie (laughs) this movie is so fun um so uh we'll get into that in a little bit but yeah i i I think the movie's just fine as a movie but damn this movie's a great time i really enjoy freddy versus jason i love watching this awful movie yeah i'm going liked it i'm going really liked it i i think there's so much you can look at this movie and go that's objectively terrible i'm willing to say not just objectively okay objectively terrible (laughs) um and moments that make me cringe and a lot of times in the right way sometimes the wrong way like there's like the moment where he goes after the um the friend um at the docks at the end and he says Mm, dark meat like that's bad that should not be in there yep that's a bad cringe but that there's a lot of good cringes in this movie it it knows what it wants to be let me apparently this movie was originally offered to james wan to direct and movie would be better i don't want that movie <laughs> this this movie was also offered to rob zombie and he turned it down to do house for a thousand corpses that movie would be worse i don't want that movie Mm-hmm. Um, it rides this sweet spot of knowing how dumb it is, but making you just have so much fun. I was really scared that I was going to hate this movie or really not like it because I had such a good time with it in high school. And I was just gonna be like, oh, sure. I'm sure there's going to be a thing I don't like. I, I just I just have a blast. It's by far the most fun I had watching any of these nine movies. It's probably the one I'll watch the most. Um, but I, I, I just really enjoy rewatching this one. It's just it's just got so much that works. Um, I, I stopped writing notes because um, the first note I wrote was, I really love the folding bed kill. Like Jason just folding a guy backwards in a mm-hmm. bed. But then like she's covered in blood and she goes out and, and she's screaming and the cop is like, do you guys need help? And she's just like, what the hell do you think? Like, it's just so funny. And then like the next wrote, note I wrote is this dialogue is terrible. Um, they're in the high school. And he's and the one girl is explaining. She's like, "Yeah, there's this lullaby," and it, and he's like, "What's it called?" Like he's like, "One, two, Freddy's coming for you." The other guy says it. He's like, "You know why they sing that? Because he's coming for you." I'm like, "How much worse <laughs> could this dialogue be? It's so terrible." Yet I'm having a blast. There's also a lot of people in here that you're like, "Oh shit!" Like I know, yeah, you, like you, you did something here. Like yeah, we have the. Um, obviously Robert Englund returning the role of Freddy, but like the the lead that plays Lori, Monica Kina, um, Catherine Isabel winds up being like a really recognizable face. Christopher Marquette is in the first season of Barry. Um, he's been in other things, but like I, I certainly recognize that. Like the girl Brandon Fletcher's friends, yeah, for sure. Like a that guy, you know. Like this movie's the just one full for me of is like Lachlan Monroe, who was in Scary Movie and. Yes. Uh, A Night at the Roxbury and Unforgiven. And most recently, he was in Totally Killer. (laughs) Uh, If anyone saw that, it came out on Prime a few weeks ago. It's actually a really great uh, horror spoof of Back to the Future. But yeah, this has a lot of just like faces in it. Yeah. um, Yeah, definitely. He was the one I was like, they they had to have cast him. 
like on purpose because of scary movie. Like, yep. uh, I just think this movie knows exactly what it is. It knows it's dumb and it rides that line perfectly. I don't, I don't, I, I think the director was intending a better movie than what he gave and a scarier movie than what he gave. But like I, this, there's certainly some things that have not aged well about this movie as previously discussed, but I love watching this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm willing to forgive all the stupid stuff because the movie acknowledges all the stuff is stupid. And the, I hate the look of Freddy in this one. They they made him like way more deteriorated than the originals. Um, but I, I I like the claw thing. It really feels like an extension of his hands as opposed to like a glove that he puts on. Um, all the Jason stuff. Is, there's a really fun montage at the beginning too. Like it's the 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 the, the corn maze sequence. That was the one thing I remembered. Was I remembered. I remember thinking there's a really fun corn maze. Jason just owns scene. people at that corn maze party. <laughs> the only things I remembered was Jason owns people at a corn a, a corn maze scene that I remember really liking. I don't remember what happened in it, and the worst final three seconds of a movie ever. Um, which now that I've seen Nightmare on Elm Street two, five, and Freddy's Dead, not true anymore. But <laughs> um, I still hate the ending. But Again, that's There's just no part way. partial to what horror movies do. They like to do those haha, but what if endings. Um, so I'll go into what I'm so mad that we didn't get a sequel to this. Largely one. the acting. Um, most of these performances, as much as I like these names and they're fun character actors, most of them are giving bad performances. Yeah. Uh, especially uh, Monica Kina in the central lead yes. here. I, I really hate to say this because it sounds objectifying, but. I feel like they cast her just for her body and it feels gross. Some of the ways that they shoot her. Um, it's 2003. They probably did. Like, oh, And that's what I'm saying. Like it just, it just feels gross to me. Um, and she is an insufferable character and the performance is insufferable. Like I'm pretty sure she is literally just crying like 70% of this movie to the yes. point that she doesn't have dialogue other than to just cry. And it just makes for a groan worthy experience. Uh, but a lot of the other performances don't hit the, the stoner guy is just like egregiously bad. Um, but, uh, the thing that pisses me off the most about this movie is the effects. Uh, they're terrible. You know, these are both franchises that are known for their practical effects, especially a nightmare on Elm street known for truly inventive, creative, distinct, practical effects that look as close to real as we can get. And, here we are in 2003 Jurassic Park has come out. The Lord of the Rings movies are now in the can and done. We're like, not, not just Jurassic Park is out. Ten years out. <laughs> yeah. This is a CGI reg- revolution in Hollywood. And so they decide to go CG with this. And in retrospect, these effects look terrible, like awful yeah. visual effects throughout the vast majority of this movie. And it's just really disappointing uh, when both of these franchises, but especially Nightmare, are known for their effects. And this just looks like dog water. Um, But what I do love is that it's just fun. This captures, like, the horror. It actually makes Jason a menacing character. Like, this Mm -hmm. guy can take out an army of people with, like, one or two swings because he's just that powerful. And it makes Freddy scary again while still, like, making their iconic tropes work. Freddy is making one-line jokes again, but it feels like Freddy from Dream Warriors, where he's still a menacing threat, but he's allowed to be campy and fun. It's not Freddy from Freddy's Dead or from 
the dream child where he's just like a trope of himself at that point. Um, I also really like how they made the story work. I am shocked that they actually made this work. The idea that Springwood has lost all sense of fear because Freddy has been gone because somehow they actually made this tie into the other movies and like Freddy was defeated and Freddy's dead. And then the real demon was defeated in new nightmare. So Freddy's just been gone. So Springwood's not scared anymore. And so like he's been resurrected in hell, but he can't come back out and fight because no one's scared of him. So he has to manipulate Jason who in and of himself is a vulnerable child in his mental uh, state in his head. So he makes him go to Springwood and start killing people to make the town scared again so that he can come back and kill people. But then now he's pissed because Jason's killing all of his potential victims before he can kill him in the dream world. And it, it doesn't sound like it should work, but that conflict works. It works really well. I buy them getting into a fight. I buy Jason not really giving a damn because he's just a brute force and a menace. And he is a simple mind, but Hey, this dude in a stupid fedora is getting in my way constantly. I'm going to swing and slash at him just to keep going. And then I buy Freddie being pissed off that he's supposed to be like the slasher killer that everyone fears in their dreams. And he can't even kill anyone anymore. Like all of that really worked. I totally dig the early two thousands, mid two thousands vibes of this. Granted, a lot of that is just nostalgia for me because this is like high school. I was graduating high school as this comes out. I'm a big new metal fan, and this soundtrack is a bop. Like, yes. I freaking love this. When it starts playing El Nino in the closing credits, I'm mm-hmm. like rocking out hard. <laughs> like, this is just so much fun to me. Um, and that's kind of what makes this movie and entertaining and the kills are good once again finally yes. like there there's some really memorable enjoyable kills here so there's a lot this movie has going for it i don't think it's a good movie like i said i think it's just okay but man i have a fun time watching it and it is very rewatchable i um i think the only thing i want to add to that uh <laughs> is if aside from the things i've already just i've already said is that like um oh shoot I 100% had something I was going to, whatever it's late night. Um, it's, Oh, I'm, I'm just so sad that we didn't get like a sequel to this. Like a, I think at one point there was a proposed, like it was going to be Freddie versus Jason versus Michael Myers like thing. Uh, apparently they made a comic book sequel in the late two thousands that was, that included Ash from the evil dead movies. There was an alternate ending that was written, um, but not filmed because of rights issues where Freddie and Jason continue their fight in hell and pinhead appears like, like if, if this was just a little, like you can make little things like this. If, if, if the studios would come together and just share the profits or whatever and make like a, we're doing Freddie versus Jason and let's throw in Michael Myers into the mix. Let's throw pinhead. Let's throw Candyman, like to just co- like make these fun campy movies. Now. I mean, I also, some of those franchises don't want to be known for their camp. Um, but I just, I wish we got more films like this, like that yeah. embraced the silliness. Yeah. And again, I'm not, I, I think the director thought he made a better movie and a certainly scarier movie, but, and this, there's also a couple shots in here. We like, yep, this is the emergence of 3d. They certainly were banking on a 3d screen here. And it's not as egregious as something like the final destination, but anyway, um, I'm out of notes. Austin, do you, do you have any last things to say or any uh, final thoughts or anything to add? Yeah. I, um, 
I will always wish that they had the guts to choose who wins this fight. That's Me too. The one thing I hated about the ending. Um, I mean, I think it's clear that Jason wins, but like the ending is such a cop out. Yeah, it's the was it Rocky three ending, freeze frame ending kind of yeah. thing. Yes. Um, I mean, in reality, both of these killers are immortal at this point in their franchises, yeah. and and I think that's I guess what they were going for with the wink and everything. But yeah, it. It'd be nice if, you know, they, they had the balls to be more definitive. Or, yeah, especially because both these franchises have revived these characters in such stupid ways so far. Like, <laughs> yeah. just do it again. But, like, do it like Rennie Harlan did, where I guess a hellhound pees on him or something, and then he revives. You know, like, just do something like that. You know, if you really want another Freddy and Jason movie, like, just... Uh, yeah. But from what I've learned, especially from following James A. Janice on Dead Meat uh, podcast and Dead Meat uh, Kill Counts, is they worked on this film forever, and it does not show it because there's so many bad dialogue. There's just let's get from one scene to the next because, like, the reason this all came to be is because New Line, I think, acquired Jason's rights, so they're able to do this. And, yeah, I would have loved to see in a film where Ash come around now that I've seen uh, those movies. Because I mm-hmm. recently watched the Evil, uh, the Evil Dead movies. And I, I need to go read the comic book now because of it. But there, uh, we need more movies like this. And I, I think I remember hearing Christopher Landon had wanted to do Happy Death Day, Freaky Friday type movie with Freaky and Happy Death Day. Um, but there's no one that really want, has express bringing their characters together like this again there there are two directors in modern horror that could do whatever they want and i'll be down for it one of them is christopher landon who is i think attached to the next screen movie mm-hmm. um and mike flanagan yeah they could do whatever they want and i'm on board and christopher landon will be perfect to do another freddy versus jason which is ironic because those are the only two directors i would love to pull off either rebooting freddy or doing a legacy sequel for picking up after three where like Nancy's still alive or something. Um, mm. But they're the only two that I would ever trust to do a proper bringing back Freddy. It just depends on what vibe you want. Do you want to laugh at your horror? Well then Christopher Lane, do you just want to be terrified out of your socks? <laughs> Flanagan. Yeah. Okay. And the last thing we I want to say movie. real quick is that um, it's a shame that Kane Hoder couldn't be Jason in this. Uh, Robert England has been Freddy the entire run up through this point. Um, we haven't been saying that every film, but just to yeah. clarify, he's always been Freddy. Um, the Jason actors had always changed pretty frequently throughout the years until Kane played Jason four times in a row, seven, eight, nine, and 10 Jason in space, Jason X. Um, and he was originally supposed to be in this and it, it was supposed to be like two icons, two Titans of horror, you know, Robert mm-hmm. versus Kane. And at the last minute, they recast him because uh, the producers wanted someone else. And I just want to say that's a real dick punch. <laughs> like, there's no other way to say it. Like, it's just rude and uh, inconsiderate. And it and it's kind of a bummer that the fans didn't get the actual actors that they wanted. Uh, but I mean, still, the movies the movies fun, and uh, I I enjoy it. I just thought that it's, was it's especially bad because fans who really care. It's especially bad because the only reason that they didn't, that they re- wanted to cast somebody else is because they wanted somebody taller. 
and that sucks. Um, but as somebody who hasn't seen any of the movies, that doesn't mean anything to me yet. But yes, it, especially I know that that is a recognizable name. That is a name for horror fans when they hear um, when they hear him. You know, they know. All right, let's move on to the Nightmare on Elm Street reboot. This is the last one that we're talking re- remake. Uh, last one we're talking about today. Um, Nightmare on Elm Street 2010. Austin, do you like it, love it, hate it, dislike it, or think it's just okay? Mm. Hate it, hate it, hate it. Hope it burns and whatever pit you can, the deepest pit you can find. I've only ever watched this movie once. Uh, I think it's the low side of okay. Very, very low side of okay, but barely into okay. I am also in the low side of okay. Um, I've been all over the map with this movie. When it first came out, I was like, yeah, it's fine. It's okay. Um, And then I watched it two years ago and I thought, no, that's actually really bad. And it's okay. It's fine. Um, There's a lot to admire about this movie and there's a lot to hate. Yep. Um, Which is why it goes into okay. Um, So let's start... As mentioned, this is the only Freddy film that exists without Robert Englund. What do you guys think of Jackie reboot, or Haley? Let's be clear. It's a reboot of everything. Like all yes. the other films take place chronologically in a universe. This is starting over from scratch. Well, and even Freddy versus Jason is a sequel to all yeah, of them. Yeah, almost they, all of them. I all mean, of them. All of those are in one universe. They all yeah. exist in continuity, whereas this doesn't. Um. Yeah, it's 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 a remake of the original, but it also has some elements that are kind of fun from some of the sequels. Anyway, um, what do you guys think of Jackie Earl Haley in this role? I think he's really good. Um, I, he's a big part of why I would say I, I can't hate this movie. He's clearly trying. I actually think he's quite menacing. I love his voice. I think his performance is great. I actually think he's scary. Even Robert England said that he thought Jackie was a great fit for the role. And he likes his performance. I think what hinders his performance is the makeup job on him uh, really prevents him from emoting. Um, they wanted to go for a more realistic burn look instead of like a pizza cheese look that <laughs> the character had kind of grown to be known for. But that pizza cheese look allowed Robert England to make a lot of faces and to emote and to express how he felt. And Jackie's makeup doesn't like he can barely move his lips a lot of the time let alone make facial expressions so um he's hindered by the production but that's not his fault he is giving a good performance and i think he's good as freddy krueger i really like his performance i think the makeup is an issue because you can tell he wants to like you can tell he wants to do more but it's it's almost like he's so restricted almost like it physically can't open his mouth very much mm-hmm. uh, i also think it just in general looks bad i i but i also think the way they wrote freddy is entirely wrong um and doesn't fit but i think jackie earl haley is giving his damnness to make this a watchable movie and he almost does it um but he he can't do it alone um austin what did you think uh I remember, like I said, I've only ever seen this movie once. I remember liking him going into the trailer, but because this fits my theory of why I uh, like if once you see the originals of a certain film, you're just not ever going to like the remake, and if you re- see the remake, you're never going to like the originals as much. Um, because I was just wanting the campy Robert. I that's who I fell in love with. That's who I wanted. I, I'm not going to say there's a whole lot bad about his performance um, for the tone and what they were going for. I think he did. A, I think he did a good job, but 
it's, I still, I, I don't like this movie. So. I think the decision to go straight horror as opposed to horror camp was dead wrong. Um, and it, 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 it suffered. Like it, the movie just really suffers for that. Um, I, this movie would be a lot better if it would have had a little bit more fun with the movie itself. Uh, because there's a lot to love about this movie. Um, as mentioned, uh, at least on, on Jackie Earl Haley, the CGI is terrible, but I think the CGI is super hit or miss in this movie because there's some things that look great. Like there's, there's some a shot they did practically that look amazing, but then there's well, some CGI that looks garbage. There's a shot where uh, Kate Cassidy is falling asleep in the school, and in an instant she's tra- teleported to the dream world. And by the way, I love the look of this dream world. This like ash covered, um, dark. It's uh, it feels less constricting than the last one. It really feel it, it almost feels like the upside down in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, like it feel it feels just like an alternate dimension that you're teleported to. Uh, but the, but there's a shot where she's just in her desk and it and it, she just it just literally snap of a finger and and it turns into the dream world and it's such a cool shot. Um, so um, so I really liked that. Um, there's a lot. Uh, every time I'm going to say a positive, I'm going to say a negative. Um, every effort of fan service in this movie was terrible. Um, like there, like the last line um, that uh, um, Nancy says to Freddie was like, uh, she says so, she says something and calls him bitch, and it was just like it felt so out of place. I can't even remember what the line was. Um, yeah. Every time they try to do stuff like that, it just some of the fan service was a little fun in terms of like you're like, oh, that's very similar to like how you know, something happened in four, but it's, it's, it's a blink and you miss it. And I wouldn't have noticed it if I didn't just binge all these, but um, I can't remember. I'm trying to look at the line, see if it's on IMDb, but it's, it's just terrible. Um, all the, like the fan service stuff just really sucked. Um, okay. Um, also speaking of, of like Freddy versus Jason, speaking of movies that are just full of like ridiculously famous people now. I mean, obviously Jack Earl Haley was, he's not quite he's like Hugo weaving point. level. But had he done watching this? He's been acting since the seventies. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I mean more so like he's he's probably known Watchmen would Watchmen came out before this, yeah. Yeah, Watchmen was or oh nine. It would have come out the year before this. He was he 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 was a known entity at this point. Yeah, but well, and obviously, if you're going to cast Freddy Krueger, you kind of want that, you know. Um, I mean, he was in a. But, Again, I, I don't know how well you know it. He started his career in the 70s. He was in the original Bad News Bears. And he was in uh, a movie that was nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars called Breaking Away in 1979. So, like, he had been on the scene. If anything, he disappeared for, like, the late 80s through the 90s and came back in the 2000s. Got it. Um, yeah, I'm just... I mostly know him as like Rorschach. And so between Rorschach and this, he's kind of like Hugo weaving to me where it's like, it's a lot of like, you don't see a lot of his face and he's a great character. actor. Anyway, but like Rooney Mara being one of the leads here, Katie Cassidy being another lead, like before each of them kind of got their big break, Clancy Brown, Clancy Britton. Yeah. yeah. Um, even uh, the guy that plays Dean, Kellen Lutz, like went on to do some Kyle Gallagher is like one of those, like I recognize that face. I don't know that I've seen. I mean, Kellen Lutz is, twilight but like it's still like famous you know like that's still like i guess he would, would uh, those would have come out before this one because new moon was too that well i never saw the twilight movies but either way that's a name i recognize it's a face yeah. i recognized um most mostly the rooney mara katie cassidy ones was just like oh shoot like um i know those people um 
So, yeah. Um, Austin, tell us why you hate it. My original reason is um, because it wasn't until recently that I found out that why they changed this, and that was because of Robert England uh, talked about it in an interview a few years back, and I've seen the video here and there. Um, they straight up made him a pedophile, and in the original movies, he just was talked as being a child slasher, a child killer. And for years, I had thought that, you know, Wes had come out and said he was never intended to be that. He was always intended to be a child uh, killer, just someone who kidnapped kids and killed them. Apparently, I was wrong on that. He was. They originally did have the idea of having him being a pedophile in the original, but then someone got caught for being a pedophile in real life, and there was the trial going on right when they were filming that movie, and they thought they didn't want to have real-world ideas and consequences going into Nightmare, so they changed that. Um, so I, I might have to revisit this movie again, But and I like Rooney Moore, um, but it's just there's so much already bad taste in my mouth because I uh, really enjoyed the campiness and the love of having the original, tril- the original nine, even though I, I still probably call it a trilogy because I still watch one, three, and New Nightmare uh, pretty religiously. But... Um, you know, like you said, there's great actors in it. It's just, there's a lot of stuff going against it that I just, I didn't like it when it came out. And even though, and it feels like they're pulled a lot of just reshooting the first movie in, in 2020, or not 2020, but 2010 timeframe. And because there's so many almost shot for shot scenes in this movie from what I remember. And instead of just trying to, you know, here's Freddy, let's, reintroduce them to a new generation and to a new audience and um st- and to do that instead of doing what they did uh, it's just if i want to rewatch like with Fr- friday the 13th they at least said you know what let's not just redo the first movie let's you know reboot it and redo something different so i think if they would have done a little bit different track they would have been a little bit better but i um I want to speak. I want to say this part. I really like the "What if Freddy was innocent" plotline. Um, I think it's some. I wish they would have stuck with it, and maybe that's why Freddy came back. Um, is it, like they later prove like no, he wasn't. But like I really like the idea of like what if they just totally brutally killed this guy, thinking he did something that he didn't, and then they just ditch it. They're like nope, he was, and yeah, I just I really would have liked that. Um, I also I would I would do one thing if I was writing or ch- changing this movie I would take um, I would take the characters of Chris and Nancy and I would swap their names um, because when the when I watched this movie for the first time I didn't see um, the originals I didn't know that Nancy was like the original final girl so I like that didn't mean anything to me and the, the first half of this movie really follows Katie Cassidy like it barely shows Rooney Mara at all so when she dies I was like oh they just killed the main character halfway through the movie and I really respected that but I think it would have been I think it could have been more effective if like we were like no she's gonna be the final girl she's Nancy duh obviously you know she's gonna get away from this somehow and I just fans would have been pissed off because you killed Nancy and it's not actually Nancy or whatever I don't care I think it would have been a fun subversion of expectations. And Heath probably hates me for just saying that. No, I actually think that that's an interesting point. I'd actually be totally down for that. So I wanted to go last on this one because uh, the, the common consensus on this one is uh, Austin's. Um, 
but I wanted to rebuttal about why I... And to be clear, this is not a good movie. I'm not saying this is a good movie. I'm just saying it's not a horribly bad movie. Like, Freddy's Dead is way worse than this. Um, and the biggest reason people don't like this movie... Like, number one, cited reason. People do not like this movie. You go to see reviews online. You go to Letterboxd, IMDb, whatever. Like, 90% of them will say it's because they made Freddy a pedophile. And my response is, without trying to be rude or blunt, but my response is, that was always the case. That was always the case. That was plain as day. They just never said it in those exact words. Hey, I molest and rape children because no one likes to say those words. That's disgusting and it's horrible. But it's very clear from the first movie when they said, oh yeah, he killed a whole bunch of kids at a preschool that he worked at and he's overly sexual with all the victims that he has. Like that's in the subtext immediately from the first film. And it has come out in interviews that that was always meant to be there. It was supposed to be a child molester, like you said, Austin. And they just took it out at the last second. In fact, in Freddy versus Jason, they outright do state it there. And people just mm-hmm. conveniently kind of forget that. But they stated in Freddy versus Jason that he was a pedophile. But for whatever reason, when this remake came out, most audiences latched onto that and said, oh, that's a complete dis... Because, and here's the reason people hate it. This is actually the real reason. And this goes back to what I said earlier is, when you watch horror slashers, it's sometimes fun to root for the killer. You want to see cool kills. You you like you still want the final girl to win. Like, obviously, you want one person, human, one... Good, good has to triumph evil at the end. Yeah, of the, you yeah. want good to win in the end. But along the way, we want a lot of red shirts to die and some cool creative kills. This change, which again, isn't really a change. It was always there. They just didn't outright state it. But this quote unquote change now made it not okay to root for Freddy. Because now you're rooting for a child molester. And that's the real reason people hated this is because it made them look in the mirror about, oh, now I'm the jerk because I'm rooting for a child molester without having the wherewithal to take into like context and to actually like self-analyze and be like, no, I can look at this as a movie in a form of entertainment and be like, yeah, it's fun to watch this guy do goofy kills and say quirky one-liners. And he even does make a pun in this movie. I'm pretty sure at one point, a couple points, he's like, why are you screaming? I haven't even cut you yet. Like he does make some jokes. They're not nearly as intense as the early stuff, but like he does do a few things. But, like, you can be entertained by that and still think he's doing cool kills while also still being repulsed as a character of what he is and what that stands for in real life. What a child molester or pedophile really is as a disgusting, horrible monster. And that disconnect is what really makes people not like this movie. And I don't think that's fair to the movie. Um, Because, again, that subtext was always there. And it's even been Mm -hmm. outright stated before. But for whatever reason, people hate this movie. Like literally 90% of all the comments will be, oh, they made Freddy a pedophile, which again, people just don't like because now you can't have fun rooting for Freddy. And there's more nuance to movies than that. Um, I wonder if people care if they do that change that I was thinking, like what if Freddy was actually innocent? Because then that was actually going to lead me to my next thing is if 90% of them hated that they made Freddy a pedophile the other eight percent that don't like it with two percent who do like it it's <laughs> the the other eight percent are like okay but why they do this storyline about maybe he was innocent and i do think that's an interesting storyline my counter to that is i totally see where you're coming from aaron that that would be interesting what if he was interesting or what if he was innocent but to me that just makes him a simple revenge character and that's actually kind of boring 
because once his revenge is done on the kids, then it's over. There's no need to make any more Freddy movies. Like it's just done. I think the more horrifying thing is he was a monster the whole time. And he even got some of his victims to side with him. I think that's even more terrifying is that he almost convinces Quentin and Nancy to like support him and condemn their parents and like isolate the town even more. I think that adds to Freddy's depravity as a character. Now, again, a lot of people don't see it that way. They think that that whole innocent storyline was stupid, but I think that really just shows what kind of a monster he really was. And I think that actually makes him more threatening. In fact, I would even go so far as to say this is the most threatening and evil version of Freddy that we've ever gotten. I'm more scared of the Freddy in this movie than any other Freddy that's ever been shown on screen. And like it's close to the new nightmare one, but this takes the cake. Yeah, and that and and I think that says something. Now, again, if Austin, I totally get what you're saying about how you wanted the campiness and you wanted to have a little bit more fun and levity and you wanted the jokes. So if that is the kind of Freddy you enjoy, yeah, you're not gonna like the remake because this is ninety-eight percent void of humor. This is a straight attempt at horror. So like if that's not what you're wanting, you know, then you're not gonna be entertained by this. Now I'm saying all of this just to say I don't think some of the criticisms are founded or as valid because of the pedophile thing. Because, again, that was always there. What I do think is valid criticism is as much as I like Rooney Mara here, like just her showing up, I actually think she's really bad here. I don't think she's trying. She's kind of sleepwalking through this performance. This was the same year that The Social Network came out. So we see what kind of talent she does have and she's just not trying here. And then her career took off and she never had to look back. They were never going to go make a sequel to this. I think Katie Cassidy is also quite bad here. I mean, I love her as the black canary in the Arrowverse and stuff, but like she's not good here. Um, in fact, most people outside of Jackie Earl Haley, I don't think are good here. I think the visual effects, going back to kind of what I said about Freddy versus Jason, have the same problem here. When they try to go for CGI, it looks terrible the and the one i always think of is when they try to recreate the scare from the first movie where freddie is coming out of the wall above nancy's bed as she's sleeping in the first movie that's a practical effect of him literally coming through the wall and like stretching the wall and in this one they make it cg and it just looks like garbage it looks so blatantly fake it's not scary it pulls you out of the movie but at the same time there's other scenes where she walks into her room and it's just like perfectly covered in powdered snow. And it's a beautiful natural transition. And it puts you on like the edge of your feet and you get an eerie feeling because that wasn't there a second ago. Or she starts walking down the hallway and sinks into it because it literally becomes a river of blood. And she starts drowning in her hallway. Scenes like that look genuinely, genuinely terrifying and they're really well done. I even like kind of the concept of the micro sleeping that they do throughout this film where you take Mm -hmm. like mini naps and instantly drop into the dream world and you like fluctuate back and forth. Like I love the scene when they're walking through a hallway of a pharmacy and you see Freddy flashing back and forth between being in the boiler room and then they're in the pharmacy and like boxes and bottles are being knocked off the shelves in the pharmacy because he's scraping the pipes in the boiler room. Like that's actually really creative. Um, So there is some fun stuff happening here. I do think it's watchable. watchable. I think some of the kills are creative. Uh, The kill in the diner at the beginning is genuinely terrifying to me. I think that's really well done. Um, So there's stuff that I like here. But 
there's a lot of stuff that still just doesn't work. Um, the editing is flawed outside of the performances I mentioned earlier and the visual effects. Uh, the narrative construction of the story at the end isn't satisfying. I will agree with that. Um, it just doesn't have like that climactic punch that you really want. I like the idea of them going back to the preschool and like fighting him on his ground. I thought that was kind of interesting, but like, I don't know, just the resolution fight doesn't really work for me. So there are things I don't like. Again, I'm not saying it's a good movie. I just don't think it's nearly as bad as uh, it's made out to be. But that's just my take, my opinion. And I'll shut up now because I've been talking a lot. I think it's time for us to give our rankings of this franchise. Sounds um, good. So I will kick us off. Um, I'm going to go top to bottom, number one to number nine. Uh, and then after each of us give our three ranks, we'll uh, have to come up with a collective one. I think this will be easier than I thought initially. But um, I have New Nightmare, then three, then Freddy versus Jason, then the original, then the remake, then four... And then the last three are all interchangeable to me, but I put Freddy's Dead, then Nightmare 2, then 5 at the very bottom. Okay. But they're, again, those last three are all super interchangeable. They're all bad. They're all really bad. Um, so uh, that's mine. Uh, Heath, what is your ranking? I have the original and then uh, the same order as you almost. New Nightmare, Dream Warriors 3, Freddy versus Jason. Then I go actually uh, Nightmare 2. Then I go uh, the remake. Then I go Dream Master, Nightmare 4, Nightmare 5, and then in last place, Freddy's Dead or Nightmare 6, if you want to consider it 6, but they didn't, technically didn't call it that. Yeah. Uh, Austin, what's your ranking? Uh, I just pulled up my letterbox just to make sure. I don't have Freddy vs. Jason on here, but I will add it in where I would put it. I do have mm -hmm. Never Sleep Again, the documentary on these movies. That's my number one. The New Nightmare is is technically my number one. But uh, then the 1984 version, then number three. Uh, that Then I put Freddy vs. Jason here. And then two uh, is uh, five, uh, four, six. Uh, four, five, and six are just right there next to each other. And then finally, the last are, uh, is New Nightmare. Uh, not New Nightmare. Uh, the remake. The remake. I'm too tired. <laughs> Okay, my brain. Um, do we want? Do we want to start? I think let's start at the top and work to the bottom, um, because I think that'll be easier. Because um, it's either going to be the original or New Nightmare at number one. I, me, and Austin both have it at number one. I think that's the right choice. New Nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I. I'll just say my subtle protest of I disagree. Um, but I. I. I respect it. I get it. Um. Uh. But. Uh, yeah. It should be the original, but I'm fine with New Nightmare at one. Okay. And New Austin, you had... It's still damn good, so... You had then, um, like, you had, like, th the original and three, like, where you're next to, yeah? I had the original, New Nightmare 3, Freddy vs. Jason. And Austin? Uh, New Nightmare 84, 3, and then Freddy vs. Jason. Okay. He has the same order as me, just flipping New Nightmare and the original. Yeah, and... And I and those are my top four as well, um, including you know, I I think we should do the original next. I think it goes original next, even though that's not like my ranking. But again, respect factor really yeah. huge. Um, and then we have to go three, then Freddy versus yeah, Jason. I agree. Um, and then I I don't know that I care about this. Would just be really interesting because like Austin hates the the, the remake. Re the remake. We yeah. both kind of liked it. We, it's it's I, five I for like me. It. Like, I just think it's. I just think there's worse movies than that. That's fair. 
I will lay down um, my sword for it being low um, due to the fact that I have only w- ever watched it once and y'all have seen it more than me. Um, so I can concede to it being higher up. It it probably goes, it's it's either the remake four or two next. Yes, um, I agree. I, I just don't know which one. Um, does anybody want to make a case? Uh, I would say two next. Uh, that's my ranking. But the reason I say that is it, I think it does get better upon rewatches. I think the messaging is more clear and it makes it more enjoyable. Um, So I think, I think two is trying for more and is a better film than what's left. But if we're going to hold off on two, honestly, the remake or four, I'd be fine with either one. Like I waffle back and forth between them today. I have the remake ranked higher. You ask me tomorrow, I might say four. the dream warriors or dream masters higher. So I'll, I'll concede to two because that's my number eight. Um, but again, seven, eight, nine being pretty interchangeable. I'd concede to two being next as long as remake goes above four. I'm fine with that if Austin is. Uh, I, I was about to say I'm fine with it being two remake, then four, five, and six. So that sounds great. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'm going to win the argument of Freddy's de- uh, of five being last. But as long as. People I, I will, that it I will in my heart. yell and scream. Freddy, Freddy's Dead deserves to be last. It is the worst film. I'll let you swap New Nightmare in the original if you let. No, I'm not. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I would you rather and- have Freddy's Dead last. That is how <laughs> I am much more passionate about Freddy's Dead being the worst film than I am about the original being better than New Nightmare because I at least love both of those. Freddy's Dead yeah. is like a visceral hatred. That's fine, and and I knew that I knew that's where we were ultimately going to end up, but um, that's fine. Again, I feel like uh, I feel like at least we have an idea, a little bit of all of our lists in here. I think um, so. Our official Civ Pop Writers Room ranking is New Nightmare, then the original, then three, then Freddy versus Jason. That's really like it's those. Yeah, there's really like two tiers. Uh, or three tiers like those are great and then we're putting two and remake kind of in the middle and then four five and six are all just bad um it is so crazy Nightmare, this original franchise, three. The, the, this franchise feels that way like there are some movies that are just really bad five and six like just abysmally bad and then there's some movies that i genuinely consider some of the greatest horror movies that's ever been made like the original yeah. new nightmare like this yep. franchise really runs the gambit between really high highs and really really low lows yeah and uh yeah I, i'm good with that list i think that's a, that's an all right list so yep. i'll take it um real quick spin off anything you guys want to recommend or warn i'm gonna be i'm gonna go quick uh just because it's already been mentioned here before but um we're recording this like pretty soon after recording last one so i haven't really been doing too much but i have been listening to heath's podcast franchise paradiso and i'm having a great time so take it from more than one person uh that is biased I mean, I've guessed it on it, but I don't think that quite puts me in the same level of bias. Um, I'm having a good time. And if you are interested, especially in learning more about horror or exploring a bunch of different facets of things, um, then check out Franchise Paradiso with Foster Rowan and um, Heath. Well, thank um, you. I appreciate that. For sure. Uh, Heath, why don't you go next? That feels natural. Um, as yeah, long as you don't so... recommend your own podcast right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not going to plug my own podcast. I already did that. <laughs> um no, I wanted, again, uh, I'm wrapping up my research on 1994, and that means uh, uh, part of my research has also been making sure I hit every single Best Picture nominee throughout these years. And I got to see one that I missed from this year, and that was Quiz Show. And Quiz Show is really damn good. Um, yeah. Uh, Heck yeah, for dude. For those who have not seen it, it's based on the true story of how 
network television rigged uh, game shows in the 50s. And uh, producers would do what they needed to to drive up ratings and make their sponsors happy. Uh, trust me, there's still producerial rigging happening in game shows and reality TV to this day. But this is a very interesting film that depicts a real-life congressional hearing and court trial that took place because of this was so rampant in the 50s. And it did temporarily at least change the game and how things are operated and exposed a lot of things. But it's a great script. It's directed really well by Robert Redford. It's edited well. And there's some really sharp performances here, uh, particularly from Ray Fiennes and John Turturro. So uh, that's worth seeing. Quiz Show from 1994. I love Quiz Show. Uh, Austin, what you got? Uh, I hate to be the stick in the mud have to warn again. Because last time I was on here, I, I threw out a warn, but... I did just recently watch Pet Cemetery Bloodlines, and I have never <laughs> once thought I was just barely into a movie and end up being 40 minutes into a movie. It was just, it ha- did not ha- hold my attention at all. So if you love the story of Pet Cemetery, just go watch the original one with Miko Hughes in it. It's a thousand times better. Um, I will recommend that one. Uh, don't watch Bloodlines. It's, it's not worth it. I'm not seeing what other everyone else is seeing of why it's number one movie on Peacock or Paramount Plus or wherever it's playing at right now. It's because like six people have that streaming service. <laughs> uh, Paramount Plus. Yeah, thank you. By the way. Um, well, that's a wrap. Remember, you can follow Austin and Heath. I'm going to drop Letterboxd uh, in, their, in the episode description uh, for their usernames for those. So make sure to check out uh, them uh, anywhere that they listed, uh, but also on Letterboxd. You can follow me, Twitter, Letterboxd, Threads, Blue Sky, whatever. It's White Castle. If, I, if you can't find me, it's White Castle. If you can't find me. So, uh, quick reminder, this is Pop Riders Room. is part of the Studio DNA Network. You can check out other great shows at StudioDNA.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. If you want to get in contact with the show, send us a question to explore during the B-plot. Get mad at me for my nightmare rankings. Uh, email room at SifPop.com. And please don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify if you're listening over there. Next week, um, Joe and Chantal are joining me to talk about Akira, um, the anime that I'm sure I'm going to hate but just because I don't like anime. But um hopefully not hopefully this is the one that makes me an anime lover and in two weeks uh jack is joining me we're talking a ghost story and take shelter so really excited for those weeks uh thank you guys for sticking it out for a late night with uh the nightmare movies um i'll be forever grateful for that uh and i hope that it was worth staying up until 1 30 in the morning to do it so uh, <laughs> appreciate it you guys it fun good um we will see you listener here next week Um, at a normal time.